So you've got a podcast or an idea for a podcast or no ideas yet, but you want to start a podcast. Whatever stage you're at, G Media Solutions is here to help you take your podcast to the next level. We are a podcast production company based in Atlanta that specializes in audio recording, video live streaming, and all the elements you need to make your podcast thrive. To fulfill your podcast needs, contact us on Facebook and or Instagram at G Media ATL. Before the start of this episode, I wanted to tell you about another podcast that I am producing for my friend Aisha. It's called the Botanica Podcast. I wonder what she thinks of that pronunciation. But anyway, <laughs> uh, here's a trailer for the podcast. You can subscribe to it uh, anywhere you get your podcast, just like ours. Here it is. Welcome to the Botanica Podcast. This is your host, Aisha. Listen in as we discuss topics like love, health, sex, relationships, and even alternative medicine. We stream live every Sunday at 8 on Facebook. Listen to the Botanica Podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to stop by our Botanica every Sunday. We have a lot to share. There's another podcast I want to tell you guys about. It's called The Barber and the Bartender. There's a barber, there's a bartender, and they talk about pop culture, sports, music. And of course, because one of them's a bartender, there's going to be a drink of the day and he'll give you a little history on different libations. So uh, tune into The Barber and the Bartender on Spotify, Apple Podcast. They're on Facebook. Here's the trailer for their podcast. Come to my chair, you catch a bait or get a taste. This shit gonna hurt tomorrow. Mm-mm. But it tastes good today. It's gonna hurt right now. I'm at the bar mixing up drinks and conversation. Yeah, no, I'm just a part-time dirtbag. Don't do that. You're a superstar. Yeah, we the ones you talk to and we your favorite. I'm a barber. You know what I'm saying? Niggas, got their, niggas put a goddamn perm in the hair, I know. You know what I'm saying? Just said I, that's I, my I, hero. You gonna hurt the First of all, niggas that have nappy hair, put permanent <laughs> hair, have baby hair. It's the barber and the bartender, the best podcast in the nation. By the time you hear this podcast, you'll have your own earworms. in your stomach I'm not in the ground not in a limousine cruising around town I'm not a bug not quite a germ I'm a humble catchy melody I'm a earworm man and go It's gotta be simple, got no time for rehearsal. How about that jingle from that jewelry commercial? Doc said it's coming. Welcome to Doc By the Time You Hear coming. This Podcast. 
I'm Greg. I'm Ben. <laughs> and we are here with episode 200. I don't know if this is the applause. Yes, we have applause. <laughs> episode 200. We are finally here. <laughs> we are finally here with episode 200. Um, thank you to everyone who has been with us uh, on this journey, which started uh, about seven years ago. Uh, I think we're close to the exact day. Um, really? Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Let me check. I'm going to check right now. When our first episode, I'm just going to go by when it was, uh, when we put the episode out. Um, let's see. First episode. Well, close, close. Uh, it was put out June 27th. 2016 that's very close yeah, yeah. that's incredibly close yeah. <laughs> so uh coming up on seven years doing this podcast um a lot of fun a lot of different Hated topics every second of it just can't stand it <laughs> <laughs> it's the last episode y'all no I'm just <laughs> grand opening grand lovely <laughs> Um, but thank you everyone who's downloaded, listened, subscribed. If you've been a guest, uh, even if you were guests like one time and we never asked you again, um, <laughs> it's not your fault. It's, it's mine. <laughs> it is not your fault at all. Um, but, uh, everyone's downloaded, listened, they've been a guest, they subscribed, they unsubscribed and they came back, they watched the live stream, um, they suggested topics to us. Um, we, yeah. I, I definitely appreciate it. Ben commented in the is, live stream. Ben is completely ungrateful, um, but <laughs> me, I, I, <laughs> I was the kid that got the that would get the PlayStation and be like, I wanted the Slim. You know, I was that guy. <laughs> I was. <laughs> um. Definitely appreciate everyone who has yeah. supported the podcast in, in any way. And, um, uh, yeah, appreciate it. Um, yeah. didn't really have any music news prepared, um, only because, um, well, we just didn't, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything else that's been happening on a, in a major way recently. The only thing like I mentioned to Ben right before we started recording was the, a reaction to um, Anita Baker apparently kicked Babyface off of her tour. He was her opening yeah, I saw act. Yeah, that on Instagram. Sad. Um, yeah, that was really the main, <laughs> the main thing. Do better, Anita Baker. No, apparently her fans were attacking, or his fans were, were coming attacking after her. her. Yeah. yeah, so, and he wouldn't tell them to stop. So I, I, that's that's a little weird, you know? Because I think Cause there I was, didn't think that he had a toxic fan base like that. I think there was a time where um, where a show didn't happen because she was late, and he put out a statement about what happened, and maybe it didn't put her in the best light. I'm I'm not sure if that was the issue. Um, what? But I think he Come just on, said man. that, well, she was running late and we couldn't do the show. Oh, yeah. So I did see it that was something message. like that. Yeah. I didn't think it put her in a bad light. Sorry, guys. I'm going to open my sparkling water here. Um, but other than that, I, I 
I don't know the exact reason behind it. Uh, she put out a statement that um, he would no longer be on the tour and mm. he appeared to support that decision or have some kind of understanding about it. And that was it. But, you know, Twitter, the Twittering, um, <laughs> um, so they started coming at her and, and people, if you don't realize Anita Baker is fairly active on Twitter. Um, really? Yeah. She's very active on Twitter. So, um, she had some things to, to say different ways to, to respond, uh, basically in different ways saying people don't know the whole story. So that's where we are with that. Other than that, I didn't, I don't, I don't know what else was going on. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff. I think I read like there was some movement in the Kesha, Dr. Luke lawsuit case, which is still, but oh, a lot yeah, of it, I, I saw, just um, don't care enough about, you know, but you know, because I got a, um, I'm on Reddit. I, well, I have a Reddit account, but I'm not on Reddit. Not like you, at the very least. Not like you are. Oh, I'm addicted to Reddit. <laughs> but I even um, know about the blackout that's going on right now, but yeah. Uh, uh, the Pop Heads, I got a notification from Pop Heads saying, Kesha wins judgment that Dr. Luke is a public figure in appeals court ruling over defamation claims. Yeah, I haven't been paying too much attention to the suit, so I don't really know what's going on, but... I think in a way, we kind of... Agree we agreed on not really because I think we should do an episode on it, but we're going to wait yeah. until the whole thing plays out mm -hmm. and kind of like make an assessment with over with, with everything that, that comes about. So, um, yeah, there's a new trial date. Uh, and Dr. Luke has to prove that her statements weren't just false, but that she also acted with actual malice. Uh, to that, I would say, uh, good luck, Dr. Luke. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know if you're going to be able to do all that. Um, also. Um, trying to see if there was any story I saved off of Instagram. Um, I will say seem like I did. I'll keep checking. Go ahead. Since we've started, I know you you mentioned this off air once. I do think um, maybe once or twice a month, AI covers of the week, because they've gotten really good. <laughs> and I've been meaning to share some with you. There's a um, cover on um, YouTube that I favorited where Freddie Mercury covers Take On Me. AI, of course, rest in peace. Hmm. But like, it's not one of those like where they just take the song as it is, and Freddie Mercury sings it. Like it. a queen style. Completely 80s queen style. Um, horn section. Like, it sounds <laughs> like it's really good. It, I mean, it sounds like something that they might have done later. There's not a lot of guitar in there, so Brian May might be mad. But, like, I, you got to hear this. It sounds really good. And it sounds like something I could totally hear him doing. The arrangement is, is perfect. The other one was, and if you can imagine this, and I want to see the look on your face because they, they do it in his style. Heart-shaped box, Jeff Buckley. Yeah, I know, right? Hmm. That's what I said. I was like, okay. 
he can't just cover everything. <laughs> but it's not as bad as you would think. Because, you know, it's not like just heart-shaped box by Nirvana. Like, they do it at, like, acoustic guitar, strings. You know, it sounds like it could have been, like, a forgotten track on Grace. Which, if I'm being honest, too, that's probably another album we should add to the list to cover. Um, seminal album by Jeff. I mean, really, the he didn't do anything else, I don't think. Um, his, I know he they had, had second, some post-mortem stuff. His second album, um, I can't forget the name, but it has some, it has some good songs on it. It was only like, uh, it was called uh, Sketches for My Sweetheart the Drunk. Okay. The album was going to be called My Sweetheart the Drunk. Um, it was only like half done, and the mm-hmm. other half were like demos that they tried to like um, patch together as much as they could. Uh, so, but the overall, the album is half done, was half done. And then, um, and then he had some other like, you know, the B sides, rarities other demos mm-hmm. they've that's been released everybody here well. wants you i know that's one that you told me about yeah that that was one of the songs that was done okay i'm down for covering it i know you i want to think it was either you or dana that introduced me to that album um grace i can't remember which one of you did but yeah i just know you i know you're a big fan of it so yeah um Okay, I didn't have anything to say. I was trying to find the clip. I can't remember who it was. It's it's a, a female rapper that um, she had a song. Um, I think it was a song called Pound Town. It's one of those songs that's gone viral on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, yes, it's exactly what you think it's about if you haven't heard it. But um, <laughs> uh, she had a she did an interview on Vlad TV, I think. And these just come up. I don't like actively search out Vlad TV uh, clips. <laughs> but um, in the interview, she was saying that she was. She wasn't signing any record deal yet because she didn't feel like she was being offered enough money. Like she said, this record label offer, if it wasn't Sexy Red, I'm, I'm sorry, it, but it was someone who's had a hit song recently. It might have been. Um, yeah, Sexy no? Red. That's what it was. Okay, like. it was Pound her. Okay. Sexy Red and Take Keith. Yeah. So she was saying, like, this record label offered me 100000 Like, you know, you got to get, you got to offer me more than that. I'm trying to get out the hood. So oh! you're going to have to offer me more than that. Uh, and then this other record label offered me 500000 I think a little, I need a little more. So, I, you know, you got to offer me at least $1 million. And what Vlad, year does she think this is? I don't know. Uh, while it made sense that she would want, more as far as a record deal or a signing bonus or whatever she thought it was. Vlad told her basically like, well, they're offering you this much and it's basically a loan. It's money you're going to have to pay back. Mm-hmm. So if they give you a million, you're going to have to give a million back. <laughs> so um, basically to be aware of what kind of deal you're signing and how much it's for. <clears throat> 
And I just, it just got me thinking like, are there a lot of, there, there has to be a, a lot of artists like that. Who have no clue. Who have no idea. That, and what's sad is like the education yeah. is out there now. Yeah. Like there's so many artists who have been screwed that are making videos warning you. Um, ben, I just realized yeah. something. What's up? We are not recording on the live stream. <laughs> <laughs> We've been recording the audio, but as far mm -hmm. as a live stream, now we are on. <laughs> okay. I forgot to press record. My bad. <laughs> but all good, all good. But we'll you'll for those uh, with the audio. This is the entire episode, so you're, you're good there. Um, but for those who are now watching <laughs> the live stream, uh, we're talking about uh, sexy red and her um, her comments about like she wanting more of more money for signing a yeah. record deal as a signing bonus or whatever. And that she was told that basically that money would be a loan. It's not enough money that's just like given to her. Um, but there are artists out there who have no idea about these kinds of things. Um, Is it recoupables? Is that what they call it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, for They're those coming. who, you know, we'll probably, we'll probably rehash a couple of old episodes here. But, you know, for those who remember our new edition episode about the, the new edition story. Um, Wasn't it titled Read Your Contract? Did you read your contract? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the recoupables, as far as the, the stuff that you're actually paying for, it may seem yeah. like you're not paying for it or you get sponsorships for it. Um, mm -hmm. Those are things Lou that Perlman. you, you got to be aware of. The, the Lou Perlman episode. Yeah. Um, they may use the money that you have earned, but then spend it on fancy dinners and choreographers and voice coaches and, um, mm -hmm. and costume designers and video shoots. Yep. You know, and it kind of, and I guess it kind of in that turn, we see that, um, how we've talked about before that making music and putting out music has become easier and easier. Mm -hmm. To where you don't need the big recording studio. You um, don't. You don't need uh, all these keyboards and synthesizers to make sounds. You don't need all of these instruments. It can all be done from the comfort of your own computer. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of the same way when you look at video shoots as well. There are people who make a few hundred dollars here and there shooting a whole video with one camera. And it's kind of like, you know, guerrilla filmmaking. They find a mm -hmm. location, it's an open field and <laughs> do some, some tricks as far as moving around, do the editing, put out, put it up on YouTube. Um, kind of same thing with putting out music on SoundCloud or whatever uh, to get your music yeah. up on Spotify or Apple Music. Everything's become easier. So when these labels come calling, it would seem like, oh, now you're going to get paid for all of your work. Not exactly. Yeah, you got to be careful, man. You got like, especially with, with rap music. I think the, um, the rapper Russ did it the right way. He yeah. held out until he could get the deal he wanted. But he also put in the work and got big on his own. Um, and, and to, you know, Sexy Red's point, you know, once you're big enough, you can set your own terms. But, yeah, you got to understand that, like, 
you're you're kind of betting on yourself when you ask that much for that much money. You're betting that your songs are gonna make so much money for the record labels that it's gonna pay back that one million and then some. Yeah. Cause once you make a million dollars, you've broken even. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really it. Everything then everything else is is profit. And that's if they don't get a percentage off of what you're doing, off your record sales, off if you have signed a three sixty deal. It's it's yeah. Yeah, you just I, I for so I'm just saying for any aspiring artist out there, um, mm-hmm. just gotta be careful. Like they, we yeah. asked, like, did you read your contract? That's a real, um, that's a, that's the most legit question you will be asked in the whole process <laughs> because that will give you the answer to any issues that you may be having. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's just something to be. Uh, to be aware of. Um, so with us being at um, at 200 episodes, um, the, like I, I looked at the first ep- the ep- the first episode, the title is called "The Topics Are Endless." Yep, and they really are. I mean, there's so many things that we haven't even touched on yet. Um, I'm pretty sure we added like three or four topics before this episode. Started. Yeah, <laughs> we're always, always add topics. Um, you know, have the certain formats for for certain episodes that we do. There are more topics within that as well. So there are more because fives we can do, more music films we can do. Um, I think for not to, because um, I know some people like you ever know these people. I mean, not not like in podcasts, but just in life that like try really hard to be different. Like if there's anything that's trendy, they like kind of push against that. And mm-hmm. it's not really because um, they find something else more interesting. It's just so they could be different and stand out more. Do you know people like yeah. that? Mm-hmm. I kind of felt like we... I, maybe with more with me was doing this with this podcast with some of the topics we had, but most of the time it was because I was genuinely interested. <laughs> you know, yeah. I didn't want to do like the easy topics. Like there's, there's some, there's some movies that we haven't even talked about that um, are more well known and more prominent than the ones we have talked about. Like, but they don't get talked about a lot. Yeah. Those are the ones that we picked. Like, you know, these, yeah there's something interesting within some of these, some of these topics there, like with some of these films, like, yeah, we haven't done an episode about Ray or walk the line or what's love got to do with it (laughs) or eight mile. (laughs) Uh, We probably didn't have even have to do the, well, we kind of, it was kind of music related. Get Richard die trying was kind of music related. That was fun. That was fun and funny. But it it was it was fun. It was a funny episode because there was like so many like weird and fun things about the film itself. And basically it was like eight mile one point five. <laughs> like it was they basically caught followed With the, the worst same actor. format. Uh <laughs> he's gotten he's gotten better. He's gotten better. Uh, a little but bit my better. God, Only a little. He was so bad in that movie. <laughs> like to the ugh. You know, we and one of our early episodes, we talked about fear of a black hat and not this is spinal tap because, well, one, we're we black 
and I had a white friend who's actually seen Fear of a Black Hat. That was more interesting <laughs> to me. Shout out to Tim. <laughs> it was more interesting to talk about that movie. Uh, you know, so I guess it wasn't um, not being as obvious with our topics. I think that opens us up to more to to more varied conversations because some people yeah, talk about and- the same things and um you know for 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 me i can honestly say i don't listen to a lot of rap music so we haven't talked about <gasps> rap albums like that I, i'm kidding that because- i was i'm not really shocked guys i know him better than that I know. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah you know so we haven't talked about a lot about that because i don't have much to I won't have a whole lot to contribute like um in that regard it's just I kind of say I don't have the motor skills <laughs> for <laughs> for it um you know but I think for us to talk about other genres and other and other uh, other artists you know um like doing the episode about Paul Simon's Graceland. It's like, okay, so this dude went to Africa, found some musicians, brought them back to New York. <laughs> and he has one of the best selling albums of the eighties. And one album. Not of just the one year. of the best selling, one of the most respected. And yeah. Yeah. Just the 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 whole process of, of something like that. Or when we talked about um synchronicity and it has one of the most inter most misinterpreted songs mm-hmm. of all time and it was a band while recording the song they absolutely hate each other yeah they're, they're essentially <laughs> and it's the last original it's the last album yeah. they ever made <laughs> i mean they're essentially yeah and it's crazy because like they're still they were basically still all in their primes yeah you know like Sting goes on to become like an incredibly successful solo artist so much to the point where, you know, he's Justin Timberlake to the band. There's people who have forgotten (laughs) that Sting was in the police to begin with. And they probably think that every breath you take is by Sting. Yeah. No, it's by the police. Mark my word, (laughs) that will happen with Gone by NSYNC. People are going to, because I'm fairly certain he did everything on that song. I know he wrote it. They're going to say, oh, yeah, that Justin Timberlake song, gone. No, <laughs> no. Sing. I, I just know that's going to happen. But, yeah, and I, I think there is some some benefit in the topics we cover. Um, and I guess to that point, I always found in my life, um, I kind of relished in being the black guy that doesn't just listen to black music. So a podcast like this gave us the opportunity to be two black dudes that don't always just talk about black music. You might think that that's what we're going to talk about, but it's like, then we talk about stuff that's like out of left field. And I like doing that. And the thing that, that um, I kind of wanted to go for with, with doing this podcast with you is one you have uh, as varied a musical taste as I do. And Mm -hmm. Um, you you have an appreciation for um, for music on uh, on a technical level that could go beyond what any other music fan might actually talk about. 
And uh, it could be about anything. Like the topics we have discussed, if I pitch them, like I feel like I could pitch anything to Ben and there's a good chance he might be interested. <laughs> like talking about um, Sophistapop, this very, this subgenre of uh, music out of the UK with uh, lots of jazz influence and possibly overproduced, which I know he likes. And- I love, <laughs> love overproduced. And it was something that the style actually didn't last that long. Mm-mm. But the songs are good, though. <laughs> the songs that came out songs. of it are good. Yeah. Um, I felt that was something I could pitch to him. And then I, I can't. What, what's something that you actually pitched to me that uh, that we went with? I can't. I, can't, I don't know, because. I've always felt that my choices were a little more surface level than yours. Like you dig deep and I try not to fanboy out and just cover the things I want to cover. Um, I don't know. Um, I can't think of it. Yeah. I can't for think of it for me. Yeah. I, I kind of, I have to look at the episode list. I li- I did a little crate digging um, <laughs> for uh, some of episodes? our topics. Because one was about uh, actors who wanted to sing. That was one of our earliest I did episodes. like I like that episode. Yeah. Uh, we had one about Bond themes, the history of Bond. Tim theme. was on for that one, right? Tim was on for that one. Um, we had one about uh, power trios. I think you said su- you suggested that one. Yeah. And we had. I think was we had Matt, Matt on, on for that one? I think Matt was yeah. on for that one. Um. We talked about the Grammys a lot, 90 soundtracks. Uh, we had our Michael Jackson appreciation. I wanted to be like less obvious. So another topic that we haven't done, we haven't talked about Thriller. I mean, I've always felt that it would we be about bad. a little too yeah. easy. We talked about bad and dangerous. Yeah. I think that, <laughs> did I pitch dangerous? You did. Because dangerous was, what, was like growing up, that was my favorite Michael Jackson album. Yeah, you pit you pitched dangerous, and I pitched bad because it was he was already a star by then, and it was like the follow up <laughs> to one of the biggest albums of all time. Like, how do you do that? Um, uh, and then like certain producers, like I think, and we talked about this a lot before with the producer. In in hip hop and R and B, it's kind of like also the co writer of the song, the producer, mm-hmm. uh, putting their tags on it, putting producer tags on it, um, you know, to make sure that their name is out there. And I kind of thought like, well, I guess since people don't buy physical copies of albums anymore, and no one likes researching anything, despite Google being literally at our fingertips, mm-hmm. um no one reads the liner notes of anything. So is that why so many hip hop producers put a producer tag on their songs? Um, but we'll talk about, we would talk about producers who, you know, even before then their songwriter or production techniques, like mm-hmm. someone like um, Trevor Horn, 
who mm-hmm. will add little sounds here and there to make the song bigger, sound bigger. And, you know, if he's not getting what he wants from the musicians, he will kick people out and do it himself. <laughs> or um, Norman Whitfield, you know, a bit of a control freak, but he will also, his, uh, him being part of Motown, and Motown was doing this too, which people don't realize, is that songs would rotate along artists to try to make something a hit. It would be the same song. It would just be rearranged in a different way because it went to the next group, you know, like, um, uh, war written by Norman Whitfield. The temptations did that song first before Edwin Starr. Mm-hmm. or, um, I think someone else did Papa was a Rolling Stone before the temptations. Really? I don't think I knew that. I think, I think so. I know he had a group called undisputed truth and they did a song smiling faces. Um, that the temptations actually did the song first, but that's something Motown had been doing for a long time. Like, um, Gladys Knight and the Pips did I Heard It Through the Grapevine first, but we know it more mm. associated with Marvin Gaye. <laughs> yeah. So, Not the California Raisins? No, it, well, them too, depending on your age. <laughs> but um, but kind of those things, like knowing the, 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 the process with those writers, you know, this, you know, mm-hmm. this makes the, the fabric of, of, of music history. This is a music history podcast. So sometimes we'll, we'll dig deep for, for other things. And then we want to have fun with some of the music related movies. Like a lot of people love purple rain, but watching it now, like this movie's, this is kind of bad. Did not age well. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of bad. And there's some like problematic things in it. Yeah. Um, age very poorly. Like you talk about with get Richard die trying, they're just trying to copy eight mile. Or with um, how some TV movies don't really tell the whole story, like with the MC Hammer story, yeah, um, and then things that like, was it. That was a unique episode. Who yeah. covers something like that? <laughs> <laughs> like a made-for-TV movie that we could watch right obscurity. now. What we could watch it right now on YouTube. It's on YouTube right now, commercial-free, and. I'm not sure when's the last time VH1 even aired that movie. It's probably been like 15 years at least. Uh, so, uh, but to talk about that in the realm of a, of a TV movie and there's probably the generations after us don't even know what that even means. Um, or to, talk about things that were part of our growing up, like TRL, mm-hmm. the impact of something like TRL or. Um, so I will say one, or the, you know, that, the fall off of R and B. That's another one of our episodes. So I will, I love, and I loved how we framed this one. I forgot about this episode, the album that cheated. <laughs> <laughs> Where we talked about supernatural and, I don't think anyone's ever thought to approach it from that angle. 
I think some people look at it as like this wonderful achievement in music. Yeah. And it won a lot of Grammys, broke some records. But if you look like at the, how much did he really contribute to this? Look at the full context of it. Look at all these guests on the album. Look at who's producing it. The executive producer, Clive Davis. Clive is always up to something. <laughs> and J. Cole would never. <laughs> Clive Davis is always up to something. And consider this also. This was, it was Santana's most successful album. And he was already in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was already already in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he didn't have to do anything And he else. didn't have the, the he didn't have the popularity he didn't have he wasn't pop he was never pop well he's i mean it'd be like the velvet underground you know going out and getting like a bunch of pop stars to be on their album like the velvet (laughs) underground were not huge in their day they were just respected same you know carlos santana not that he was like you know in obscurity but like he wasn't as big as some of his contemporaries yeah and now he's the Maria Maria guy, you know, <laughs> he's, he's the smooth, you know, he's, he's the guy who plays on smooth, you know, it's kind of one of those, I always wondered, like, is he okay with that? You know, yeah, like you're playing second fiddle to Rob Thomas. <laughs> one of I'm the, just saying, the biggest like, pop rock stars at the time. Yeah. Like they literally cut his solo short in the radio edit. I'm just saying. <laughs> like I thought this was your song. <laughs> it's Santana featuring Rob Thomas, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Santana featuring Rob Thomas, but they cut your solo. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh oh man. Um, we also uh, what's some other episodes we got? We had an episode about. Um, the documentary sampled this about the um, what's the name of the band? The Amazing Bongo Band. Yeah, yeah. Um, with one of the most sampled uh, songs of all time, and how there's a story behind that. I mean, you just hear that beat, and and you know, think not much of it, but how it's been sampled so many times throughout history. Um, we have, <laughs> I think we did an episode about like cover artists on YouTube. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh God. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, you got served. You got served. Uh, remains one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. We're out here <laughs> just covering the like, the movies with no merit. Like. <laughs> um, uh, replacing a band member. That was we a great episode. Chris was on for that, that one. Uh, no, we didn't have Chris on for that one. I thought Chris was on for that one. Okay. He was on the one. We did uh, the Bands that changed their sound. Bands that yeah, changed their changed, sound. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had one about... Uh, uh, the Chris Brown documentary, aka the Chris Brown Infinity propaganda mean. project. Um, <laughs> I'm fin to be mean. Uh, the documentary about session musicians. It's so funny <laughs> because, um, ever since I we watched that documentary and talked about it, I constantly hear the Richard Patrick 
um story where he's like hey dog we not touring I ain't got no money what am i supposed to do uh there's a pizza place on the street man you can just go down the look of a driver <laughs> like trent is cold like you know he tried to so for hey man nice shot um he wrote that while he was still playing with nine inch nails Phil, so but we're talking about richard patrick from filter was a session player for nine inch nails and um as he was while he's in um Nine Inch Nails, he wrote that song and he was going to do it with Nine Inch Nails. But they like, if you do this song, you get no publishing. Trent gets all the publishing. Nah, I'm good. I'm good. He was like, I'm glad. He's like, that song paid my mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> paid for everything. Like, don't, yeah, don't give your publishing to Trent Reznor. He doesn't need your money. He's got closer. I mean, after tell after him telling you to go deliver pizzas, you should have told me kick rocks. Yeah, like <laughs> he was like, I was broke, and he's up there smashing guitars. <laughs> it's like, bruh, I could have sold that. Like, <laughs> uh, and that's also for anyone's heard any subsequent episodes where whenever we refer to Billy Joel as a demon, because he is. <laughs> Billy White might want to lie down. <laughs> yeah like he was or if we ever yeah. made a reference to um, someone not knowing they got kicked out of a band until they see the band making a new music video or hearing a new song by them on the radio Kenny Atnoff man <laughs> um, and also you know uh, kind of coming it was something that was a realization to me, just thinking about the history of it, that this is all black music. You know, um, mm -hmm. I'm sure you got this growing up. I know I did, you know, like asking like, why are you listening to this white music? And then not um, really having a response. Then mm -hmm. it was just, you know, I'm just listening like to it. music I like. Yeah. But over the course of doing this podcast, um, realized that there is no such thing as white music. There's white people doing music, but yeah, every, all music can be traced back to black people in some way. So, you know, that's why I would support black rock artists on this podcast. Um, mm -hmm. black country artists, um, you know, cause it's, you can trace all of that back to black people Yeah, that this is where all the music comes from. <laughs> so, um, don't want anyone to be embarrassed or feel that they have to hide that they like this stuff. I mean, I felt like I had to growing up, but now, um, I don't have to. Like it's, yeah. this is all black. It's all black. It's all black. Yeah. And I hope that anyone's listened to this podcast that may have thought different would be on our side about this because you can literally look it up and find that this can all be traced back to black people. We'll, we'll keep saying that Led Zeppelin stole everything they ever put out. <laughs> Does it make them bad musicians? Just doesn't make them bad musicians, just makes them thieves. 
Yeah, it's not original. <laughs> you know, uh, Rolling Stone did it. The Rolling Stones did it a little bit. Beach Boys did it quite a few times. So I was like, the Beach Boys stole. The Stones and the Beatles were two were two bands though that were very upfront about it. Yeah, I mean the they the Beatles not- will say they're you know John we. John Lennon, you could see oh, John Lennon Chuck was heavily Berry, influenced yeah. by Chuck Berry. The yeah. Rolling Stones were influenced never by Muddy it. Waters. They never hit it. And so I can respect that more than someone who's, I guess, just trying to make it seem like it's, you know, I don't know. Like, I just, especially like as we've seen history play out, you know, Mick Jagger basically was a producer of the James Brown documentary. Because they were heavily influenced by, or heavily inspired by, you know, when they played in America, opening up for him. Yeah. Or no, he opened for them. He tells them to beat that, and they're like, "How?" Oh, that that was when but he was like, on TV. When he was on TV. Yeah, he's on TV. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the Beatles, as soon as they get the opportunity to play with their idols, they play with their idols, and they don't hide it. So it's yeah. like I can respect that a bit. I can respect that more. You know, you never heard of, you never heard about that the res- same respect, at least from what I know of, from the Beach Boys at all, really. Um, no, and and, and I don't not know from a Led Zeppelin. I don't think. Yeah, that I've read. Or I read. don't know a ton about them, but yeah, not that I've read, not that I've heard, and not to mention, like you know, they're taking songs, reworking them, and not giving credit, and yeah. people having to sue them, and not even just black artists, just artists in general, but black artists especially have that bone to pick with them um lead belly people like that but even that one band that sued them is like you stole the opening to freaking stairway to heaven (laughs) yeah it's it's they're they're just embarrassing on a whole lot of levels but yeah that's you know and i feel like with this generation though that whole understanding and embracing the fact that this music all american music has essentially stemmed from their early creations of black music with the country blues and the blues. I like that they're embracing that they should embrace that and shame on anyone who makes anyone feel bad for liking that stuff. Yeah. Like the problem is not with the person listening to the song. The problem is with you do your homework. Yeah. You know, if, and that's kind of like, um, that might be a little bit of a requirement to listen to a podcast like this. Do a little bit of homework, you know, like yeah. um, the song Players by Coyle Ray is not an original beat. We've heard that mm-hmm. beat three previous times. <laughs> which, which one is Players by Coyle Ray? The one that samples um, the message and can't nobody hold me down uh, and check okay. yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. It's an interpolation because we're, yeah. we're we're in that era where that's being encouraged. Yeah, it's kind of like the re. It's like remaking movies. It's the MCUification of music. Yeah, I mean they want to go with what's comfortable and what sells. You know, these are the quote unquote franchises. So you're encouraged to dig back into the past. You know, some people might say, well, they were doing it back in the 80s and they were crate diving. The the it was bur- the the scene was yeah. burgeoning. As far as hip hop you know, goes with with sampling, it was yeah, it was it wasn't always obvious. 
Yeah. It wasn't the always obvious sample, but but now we're in the era where, okay, we've heard that three times already. Yeah. So it's there's nothing wrong with remaking or interpolating. It's just like when it's done so many times, it's kind of like rebooting Spider-Man again. Well, um, we've got so much technology <laughs> that we should be, if you're sampling, you know who does sampling probably better than anyone? Daft Punk. Yeah. I can guarantee you there are songs that people have heard by Daft Punk. You wouldn't even know there were samples until somebody and, broke and it not down even know, for you. And they, and they may have used the exact track. They may have pitched something up or pitched it down just a little bit. Like, uh, what's the song? Um, uh, harder, better, faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. The music part is Cola Bottle Baby. Like it's all, it's like the exact song. <laughs> they didn't do yeah. anything to it. Um, yeah. You know, so um, I think part of it, I, it, it could almost be like a game where it's yeah. the samples that are the most obscure. Like Kanye does that oh, with yeah. a lot of obscure samples. Metro Boomin does a lot of obscure samples. Mm-hmm. Uh, DJ Premier, um, Dr. Dre. Uh, which, which something that I didn't even like put it all together, like the song for um, the the next episode. He oh the um he sampled I, a song to, from yeah. like the sixties. Yeah, it sounds like I, almost sounds like a Bond theme. Yeah, and what I didn't know, the guy who made the song, for those fans of CBS shows like NCIS, he plays Ducky on NCIS now, like sixty years oh. later. <laughs> There's an actor, and no one talks about how he he made the original for that song. He made he he was he was the one sampled for that song, or so, even the obscure sample in the recipe that Dr. Yeah. Dre produced, like the vocal line. Just finding these obscure, you know, yeah. So get creative with it. We've got the technology. Get creative yeah. with it. Um, I think that's the fun where it's not so obvious. Yeah, I agree. And you can kind of make something and bring another artist to light in that way. But when you do something that's been done, um, you know, three, four times already, that's why I say it's mm-hmm. like rebooting Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, throughout our, the, our history, um, what else have we talked about? I still don't think uh, Rodgers and Edwards have gotten their just due as producers and songwriters just because people have some kind of conflicted feeling about disco. Uh, that just means I will say because that's yeah, that was what I came to the conclusion to is that disco evolved around the world, but it died in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it. think now Rodgers mm-hmm. is starting to get it. Like I'll talk to people now and they like, Oh yeah, that sounds like something now would do. But as a partner, as a partnership, absolutely not. Uh-uh. Yeah. Um another episode that, you know, I still stand by my criticism. I didn't think Straight Out of Compton was that good. The movie. The movie was not that good. And the the episode is called Greg Doesn't Do Enough for the Culture. 
I can I don't I didn't like the movie. And what came up on my um on my Facebook memories recently is um I don't know if you've seen it, but someone recut the trailer for Straight Out of Compton and made it like Jerry Heller took a chance on these these young black men from Compton. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> and uh, he came up with all the ideas for how they became famous. <laughs> I will say where I agree with you on because I did I did enjoy it, but I did not think of how much they sanitized. Yeah, and that is and for all the things they did, I kind of think that's unacceptable. Like Dr. Dre was not a good guy. <laughs> that's what I say. It I mean, seemed like he was in a romantic comedy. Music? Yeah, I get people like his music, but like he was not a good guy, you know? There's no reference to D. Barnes, no reference to Michelet. Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel like the um the some of Ice Cube's antics were just kind of played for like, oh, that's you know, he's just a like I don't know. So yeah, there there were some definite issues there, but I mean that's what happens when you live long enough to produce and sign off on your own biopic. You get to say what you want yeah. to say. Um, of course, our our unpopular opinions. Um, I cannot wait to do another one of those. By the yeah. way, yeah, we'll definitely do, need to do another one of those because I'm I've been writing some down. <laughs> um, the whole oh, anytime we reference the. Firefest. Oh God. <laughs> I think that the first time a... we referenced it, because I just saw it, it was the episode where we talked about Terrence Trent Darby's album. But the, that was when everything that we read about was just the the week before was the whole Firefest thing. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just keeping up with it. And then the documentaries <laughs> that came out about it. <laughs> like I don't know if people realize how insane that whole thing is. Like, it's not, it may be like straightforward to put together a music festival, but it is time consuming. There are a lot of little details you have to pay attention to. And in this case, uh, a con man focused on people's insecurities and fear of missing out on something and then tried to find ways to get around everything. You know, I, mm, putting it like that, he really did fear of missing out in their insecurities. I mean, that's all it was. Why else would you drop all that money to go to a music festival? Hmm. Played them like fiddles. Yeah. Mm. Um. You know, as far as uh, what's another one that we? Well, I guess when we're getting like real, it getting in getting really deep into music history, there are some events that we have to really look at, like the day the music died. So we have an episode about that. We had to look yeah. into Woodstock '99. Yeah, um, we looked into, um, like I said, with TRL, looking at um, the actual kind of the kind of impact Sam Cooke could have had. Mm-hmm. 
kind of the the modern mainstream because we have one isn't modern or mainstream we talked about incubus's um make yourself but also the same kind of um path with metallica's black album yeah Uh, that was um man i I, yeah i'm and just thinking back now so i know we had matt on for make yourself right yeah and then we we had had, uh patrick patrick on yeah patrick on for the black album because it's basically like Metallica is this like super talented band, but their music isn't accessible to anyone. Or and to, now it to, is. To on a on a major scale, and then they make this album, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which made him that way. Um, we had I I think we both agreed about when we talked about Phil Collins' No Jacket Required. Oh yeah, how a guy that looks like this. Yeah, <laughs> is one of the biggest stars in the world. <laughs> Um. Uh, let's see. Um. Well, and then we got into you know some some mysteries. Even though since we've done the episode, arrests have been made, but um. Uh, I think after like a four or five month break that we took, we did an episode about uh, the Jam Master J's murder. Mm, yeah, there was a documentary about that, and since we did that episode. Um, uh, three men have been arrested in connection to it, and it did turn out. I don't to think be, I knew that. Yeah, yeah. Three men have been arrested. Uh, another one was arrested like last week, I think. But, but basically, and it was one of the questions in the documentary. It was a drug deal gone bad, or a drug deal that mm. that Jay tried to cut the other guys out of, and that's why he was killed. Oh wow! So, um, I think because there's because we're I guess we're a generation past that. You know, mm-hmm. there's not gonna be there hasn't been a lot of talk about it. You know, I think, and I kind of I kind of wonder. Uh, we and this this may not be a, a future episode or anything like that, but just kind of wondered like, do we get comfortable? with the mystery of hip hop artists that are, that are murdered. Like, even if we, if there's evidence found, if there's, um, is the mystery more alluring? Yeah. Even if there's closure, like there's closure to jam master J's murder now. And, Mm Mm-hmm. Not not a whole lot of talk about it. Maybe it's because, you know, this was 20 years. We were freshmen in college when it happened. That's insane. Uh, um, so I remember I, was when I remember I was in English class. Because I had uh, I think his last name was Green, his professor Green. Um, I love being in his English class because he wanted us to write papers, but uh, he didn't want them to be more than three pages long. Hey, that's a good professor. <laughs> like, oh, that's that's easy. <laughs> Three pages, got you. Uh, but he he announced it in class that Jam Master J had been murdered. Really? Um, I can't remember. I don't remember anyone's reaction, but it was. I was definitely like shocked by it. Um, mm. and. 
but but the reason why I ask was like, are we more comfortable with the mystery? Because no one knew for at least uh, for almost twenty years. Yeah, that no one knew um, <clears throat> who did it or what the motive was. There were questions. There were a couple of things here and there, and now there may finally be closure. And I kind of wonder if anyone outside of his family even. Um, I guess find some kind of relief or closure with it, you know, because we look at um, like XXX Tentacion, um, murdered. It's on video. It's a security cam, but we like see can see it happen. And what will his murders be treated like? And kind of the, the yeah. spectacle that that trial may become, where you know, they want Drake called as a witness or, you know, some other famous rappers as if they were acting on Drake's behalf or something like that. I, you know, making a spectacle out of murders like that. Um, Even with all the evidence, or we talked about like with, with Biggie and, and Tupac, all the evidence that has come up, you know, that detective worked that case literally until he died. Yeah. And it's still not, is there closure for, you know, those families or those people around those guys that they're, okay, we know the reason and the people involved in taking those lives. So I, but I feel like when it comes to, to rap artists, people are more comfortable with mystery than than um then find then then justice yeah. i I'd, I'd almost say to a degree though i don't well i don't know because i think with musicians in general you get you can start to get if you get to a certain level of fame you fall into the conspiracy theory you know like he's still alive like people think that tupac is in cuba no he's not he's dead Stop that, you know? I saw, I don't know if it was after I meant that, we may have discussed it like recently, mm-hmm. or it might have, or maybe with Abe or something, that um, I saw, that I, I know the, the, the bots are listening to, uh, list, are, on, are listening through my phone. Because sometime after it was mentioned, I get an ad on Instagram with these shirts that say, just traveling the world looking for Tupac. These were t-shirts yeah. being sold. Yeah, it's <laughs> when you get to that, when you get to that level of fame, I mean, I think it's more prevalent now. It started with Elvis, then Tupac within the last 10 years. Have you heard the Paul is dead one? Well, Paul is dead has persisted since the Abbey Road uh, cover. Oh, really? I don't think I knew that. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's That's... it's 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 persisted since then because if you look at the Abbey Road cover, uh, John is dressed in all white. He's the angel. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ringo is in a suit. He's the uh, preacher. George is in like a uh, all like a work uniform, like all denim. So he's the grave mm-hmm. digger, and Paul has on no shoes. 
So he's the dead body. Let me look at this. Never even noticed it. Wow. <laughs> so even like people who thought that like Gucci is a clone, that's not people a new Gucci thing. Gucci Mane's a clone? People thought Gucci was a clone because he, when he went to jail and he lost a lot of weight, got in shape. Oh, and he came back. He came back. I ain't gonna lie though. I did. Can't, I said he came back and sounded different. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, "That's the same Gucci Mane." I was like, "He sounds better." I don't know. Yeah. So the the clone thing. So people have persisted for the last fifty plus years that Paul McCartney's a clone. Oh goodness. <laughs> I didn't know the. I didn't know there was a Gucci Mane one out there. I know there's yeah. an Avril Lavigne one. Yeah, I've heard the Avril Lavigne one. Um, yeah. they just found a lookalike because she didn't want to do music anymore. She wanted to be a, a normal, everyday person, regular oh, person. Goodness. I I seriously though had no idea that they had found the person who killed J Master J. So I mean, yeah, maybe the mystery is more alluring because I would have thought that would have been bigger news. But then again, I also have to wonder too, you know, for this generation and a lot of the spaces that I'm in, does this younger generation even know who he is? You yeah. Know? That's the thing. That's why I so, think there's there wasn't a lot of talk about it. I mean, people our age and older, it would register with them. But, you know, the generation after us, they're making fun of acts like Run DMC because of how they rap. And it's like, oh, they ain't got no bars. They're not talking about anything. Well, that's, that's you're that's not even really time. listening to them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so um that was just something that that I was also thinking about um uh the episode with uh with Melinda um about the manager about mm-hmm. her um management career and now she manages an R&B uh supergroup um the one with Bobby V in it yeah and okay. Ray J Sammy and Pleasure P. Um, so that was a good episode. One of our most, one of the most fun episodes, uh, another fun episode we did was about glitter. <laughs> that did. That movie. <laughs> like we went into it knowing this is a terrible movie. I know it's oh, terrible. Yeah. And it was even more terrible than that. And, you know, you know about those movies that like, the movie's bad, but the soundtrack's amazing. The mm-hmm. soundtrack was also bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did enjoy. Yeah. Um, so two episodes I enjoyed: "Covering Emotion" by mm-hmm. Carla Rae Jepsen, a lesser-known um, album, which now is actually starting to get a lot of play. Um, and then, because uh, this is one where I I, I did this and it was a lifelong dream and I didn't think anyone cared the episode talking about my album like yeah. I I never gotten an opportunity to talk about it I put it out outside of like you and Matt didn't really think anyone cared you know and um but it was cathartic it was cathartic the 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 reason why like I wanted to do that episode is I think a lot of people don't really consider maybe i mean some people will talk about it but i don't think a lot of people consider that 
making an album is a process. And you're someone who made an album, you wrote all your own songs, you played all the instruments, you produced it, you, you engineered it, you mixed it, you did everything yourself. And then you put it out. And I wanted to show an appreciation for the effort you put forth on that. I've known you for now, now that we're past the 20 year mark of Woo! us knowing each other. 21 years, <laughs> we're, past, bro. we're past the 20 year mark. Um, so I know it's something that you've always wanted to do. And then you were able to, you're able to do it. So I really wanted to give people like kind of a glimpse into the process, especially your process, because it wasn't just, you know, and not to not to put down anyone, any rapper, any independent rapper or anything like that. But the process of making, you know, uh, a country rock pop album, however you want to label it, Ben, <laughs> but uh, to make that kind of album yourself um, and doing everything. And, um, just that this is a, a passion project that's going to, that, um, takes time and dedication and commitment and all of that. So to, to have that, like for, you can like give your insight on this whole process for anyone who's, who wants to do it or anyone trying to do it. I thought that was important to show. Uh, I appreciate that's it. why that's why I suggested we do an episode about you making your album like you made an album <laughs> um, and now know. I'm trying to make a second and, and now you're working on the second one so there you go <laughs> um, uh, well also the other episodes in which we talked about are uh, about producers and I didn't mm -hmm. want like the uh the ones that were that had definitive sounds and 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 we like you hear the song and you know who made that. Mm -hmm. That's what those are the ones that I kind of focused on. So um, we have one on Timbaland, we have one on the Neptunes, um, we have one on Babyface. Then we have one on Scott Storch. Scott Storch. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, Norman Whitfield, Trevor Horn, uh, Rick Rubin. Um, mm -hmm. Even though he's a producer in the loosest sense of the word, <laughs> yeah, he got he kind of stretches the definition. Um, and then looking on looking at albums or artists that had a unique impact, I guess, in how we viewed or listened to music. Um, someone like Billy Idol in the MTV era. Yeah. Um, I think MTV made him a star and yeah. the image becomes important. Um, Britney Spears in the late nineties where we needed that. Like the industry may have thought we need this pop superstar to get, um, you know, teenage girls to buy music and, Teenage boys like to buy posters. Space race. Or 
and like, who yeah. could get theirs out first? Yeah. And then, like, it, you could say it kind of started with Britney, but then, like, Christina Aguilera is, like, right behind her as far yeah. as when she comes out. And then with all the boy bands and, you know, just this pop explosion, you know, in the early 2000s. Um, and then we had talked about uh, You Got Sir before. Another good episode that I enjoyed um, was about breaking. Even though it's not music related, it was culture related. Yeah. There's something where hip hop yeah. was a new thing at the time <laughs> and trying to capitalize on something like that. And it almost came off as like one of those uh one of those um bleach blanket bingo type movies. Oh from, yeah. <laughs> from the fifties and sixties. Frankie and um, Annette. Captain, um, oh, Captain Geach or the Shrimp Shack Shooters, shrimp shack shooters. <laughs> whatever that movie was, or Hickadoola, yeah, it definitely did have that that feel to it, yeah. Um, because people saw it as like a fad, yeah, people, people really saw hip hop as a fad. So, uh, shout out to Josh and Rick that were on that episode. Um, another thing I'm realizing yeah. as well is some of the people we've had Matt on here a lot, Matt G, a yeah. lot. Brandon on here a lot. Eric, Eric on here a lot. Abraham. So, Abraham on here a lot. So, you know, shout out to some of those frequently recurring guests who have <laughs> always been down to come on and, and just talk about, and of course we always try to, you know, we don't just choose it at random, you know, yeah. with the Make Yourself album. I feel like it's one A and one B for Matt's favorite bands. <laughs> 311 and Incubus. Yeah. It's, it's, it's 1A, 1B. Depends on the day of the week. Like <laughs> It's, you know, in terms of his favorite bands. And so um, I guess if we ever talk about anything by, by 311, he's he's getting the call. So, um, and, you know, Tim coming on. I think he was, he was on for our first Unpopular Opinions yeah. episode. Yeah. In, in addition to a multitude of others, he's, he's his probably, incredibly original idea of the trivia episode. Yeah, he's had the like, most varied because he did the trivia episode. He did unpopular opinions. He did fear of a black thieves, hat. Fear of black hat. Yeah. <laughs> and bond thieves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So he, he's had the most the most varied. Um, yeah. But I like he was you know, one of my roommates in college. And I think that's when I first remember him mentioning fear of a black hat. <laughs> uh, he doesn't seem like he'd be one who had seen that kind of movie or enjoyed it, mm -hmm. but he has. Um, uh, I think we, we've had Abraham on with, for something that we just thought would be just funny to talk about. Something that might've been serious, but it's like, we had so many jokes and we know Abraham would have the darkest jokes. <laughs> are you talking? Which what are you talking about? Uh, I'm curious now. Well, we had him for glitter. We had yeah. him for the MC Hammer movie. We had him for the backstage documentary. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. All right, I, I don't know why at first I thought you were talking about Five Heartbeats because that movie uh, and was a that dark. too. That too. That was dark as well, but yeah, the backstage, like, oh god, that's. 
I that documentary was oh man uh, oh man we had it for five heartbeats as well and there's a moment in we're talking about the five heartbeats is probably one of the funniest things y'all will ever hear on this podcast is we're talking about the scene where basically they break up <laughs> <laughs> The scene basically where the band breaks up and um, <laughs> how uh, Flash, he gives his be saying he's leaving the band. His album's coming out in two weeks. And then Duck comes up and says he knows that JT's been sleeping with his girl. And then it would just have that feeling. It, does everyone else have something they want to confess? <laughs> Ben is talking about but the audience are like hey I ordered the chicken and the steak I'm waiting for my steak <laughs> <laughs> or then like they just say, like are they trying to one up each other with ridiculous <laughs> things <laughs> one of the things like Abe, Abe said like <laughs> one of them said in every city we go to I stab a homeless man <laughs> <laughs> We go to. I stab a homeless man, and I wrote a song about it. It's called Soul Knife. Oh God! And it was like, and I kept because I I just gotten this mixer, so it was like it seemed like the audience would applaud. The audience for would applaud anything. for anything. So <laughs> it's like, I wear women's drawers and I like it. And it was just a couple of <laughs> That went on for about five minutes. Oh. <laughs> oh. So I just listened to it the other day. It's like, that's one of the most ridiculous things <laughs> that's ever happened on this podcast. Oh, oh God. Man. Um, <laughs> so it's definitely fun to have Abe on because he will uh he'll always bring a different perspective and a lot of times it's it's dark it's it's dark humor um yeah i can appreciate dark humor <laughs> but it's it's like it may catch you off guard <laughs> but, oh, so God. uh that was that was definitely one of the funniest moments uh on the podcast uh, <laughs> oh man um and also, uh, what another one of my favorite episodes when we talked about you got served. Uh, I didn't know the reaction I would get, but I think the theory, the theory uh, can persist. That uh, when I said that and you got served, I thought um, I think his name was Sammy, the one who like turned his back on the group, but betrayed the group when he went to Wayne's oh sold group. him out. Yeah, like I thought he killed Lil Saint also, because it adds up. It's never been, it's never been um, confirmed or anything, but I thought he killed Lil Saint as well. And then I think we all agreed that Steve Harvey's character killed Emerald. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just took care of it. Yeah, bro, you <laughs> snuffed, snuffed him out. So I think I like. Uh, the line was like, yeah, uh, Mr. Emeralds had a change of heart. It was like, no, you shot him in the heart. <laughs> Which just went to show that, you know, 
Mr. Rad was a bigger deal. <laughs> For all we know, <laughs> like he might have been the like distributor for for uh for emerald like you more powerful than him bro what you doing like you bring it in from colombia like <laughs> head of the cartel oh man um so yeah just wanted to reminisce about a few of our uh other previous episodes um definitely got a lot more to uh many more topics that you know we'd like to cover as well so again um Thank you, everyone, for listening. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what we'll do, as we've been doing before we get to the charts, uh, Ben, tell us about your cover song of the week. All right. So this is Umbrella, not the Mandy Moore version, because I know that one got popular back in the day. Um, but this is a band called Vanilla Sky. Um, they did a few other pop punk covers but they were they never were on like the pop ghost or the punk ghost pop albums but they definitely wrote the coattails of that craze and um it's i love the song it get the the rhythm's a little weird in the chorus but just ride with it you might like it all right so this is umbrella by vanilla sky and we'll be right back still do we just go through the first verse so that's umbrella by vanilla sky uh still no playlist for this <laughs> segment you know what it's one thing i think that's funny in punk bands it always seems that the drummer is the most talented musician like always <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones who's just like yeah it's just that's always just been like even thinking like to a lot of modern punk bands like I, like one of my favorites fallout boy like their drummer is the best he's he's the most talented in the band i still sometimes wonder if pete wentz can play bass but that's another story maybe he has help i mean he writes all he's, the songs right he's the front man that's all that matters it doesn't like he he gets them on the on the magazine covers and all that stuff so like i guess that's pete, all that really matters pete writes the songs Patrick sings them, um, you know. I don't know why I'm. There be some <laughs> that uh, that Pete Wentz is actually like, maybe like a quarter black. I have I have heard that. Yeah, I have heard that. I think it's. I don't even think it's like a thing. I think it's confirmed. Like they've shown his mom. I want to think like his mom's black or something. Hmm. Yeah. See, there you go, y'all. Black music. Um. <laughs> I don't know why. When you were saying like Pete writes the songs, um, I, I kept thinking of 
Denzel Washington's character in um, Remember the Titans? He's like, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Dean sings the songs and Jerry gets the girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Pete Wentz writes the songs and and Patrick Stump gets the girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, let's look at the charts here really quick because we're almost an hour and a half in. Um, so number one on the Hot 100 is still Last Night by Morgan Wallen. Last night we let the liquor talk. <laughs> uh, number two, Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Number three, uh, Calm Down by Rima and Selena Gomez. Number four, the cover of Fast Car by Luke Combs. Uh, Good for him. Were you the? One, I think you sent me the video where, uh, basically, someone made a, a skit about how he got to cover the song, and he one of the stipulations the he had to he had to uh, keep the very same lyrics, so no changing genders. Um, so he worked in the in the market as a checkout girl. Uh, yep. <laughs> number nine, uh, excuse me, number five, <clears throat> uh, All My Life, Lil Durk featuring J. Cole. Number six, Kill Bill by SZA. Number seven, Favorite Song by Tusi. Number eight, uh, Aya Bahia Sola by Esteban Armado and Peso Pluma. Sorry, I don't have my glasses on. Um, <laughs> number nine, uh, Creepin', Metro Boomin', The Weeknd, and 21 Savage. And number 10, Karma by Taylor Swift featuring Ice Spice. <laughs> That's where we wow, are now. All right. So now Ice Spice got three hits. <laughs> well, ain't that something? Um... All right, let's look at the Billboard 200. These are the albums. Number one, debuting at number one, Five Star, the third album by Stray Kids. Is this a K-pop group? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're debuting at number one. So number two this week, after 13 weeks at number one, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. <laughs> This is only temporary, y'all. Trust us. Um, <laughs> number three, Witsit Chapel by Jelly Roll. Yeah, he's like is a country. Country. Yeah, he's like okay. a country country rock singer. Okay. Number four, Dark Blood, an EP by In Any Pen. I have no clue who this is. Uh, E-N-H-Y-P-E-N. Not familiar mm. with them. K-pop. Okay. All right. Another K-pop group. Uh, number five, Midnight's by Taylor Swift. Number six, Almost Healed by Lil Durk. Number seven, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse soundtrack produced by Metro Boomin. Number eight, uh, but here we are, debuting at number eight by the Foo Fighters, number nine, SOS by SZA, and number 10, Hard to Love by Moneybag Yo, debuts at number 10. Um, I also read that Doja Cat's coming out with a new, at least a new single this week. I thought she retired. 
she was having one of those yeah, she was having manic a episodes, one of those moments, yeah. Hold on just a second, and we'll get to the Artist 100, number one this week, because they have a new album, the number one album. The Stray Kids are number one. Number two is Taylor Swift. Number three, Morgan Wallen. Number four, Jelly Roll. Number five, uh, Any Pin. <laughs> um, number six, Luke Combs. Number seven, Foo Fighters. Number eight, SZA. Number nine, Ed Sheeran, who did win his lawsuit. The most recent lawsuit, I guess, against the Marvin Gaye yeah. estate. <laughs> um, and number 10 is Drake. Um, I don't know if it's the red pill slash manosphere or anyone else kind of reacting to a video of Drake. Uh, he painted his fingernails yellow. They mad. <laughs> this is why we are as a, whatever. <clears throat> um, so, uh, that'll do it for our, uh, it wasn't really music news, but. Kind of. Um, so, Ben, this was a very interesting earworm from you um, because, like, I feel like you heard this in a department store somewhere. <laughs> Actually, randomly. So a couple weeks back before I got sick, when I was at work, for some reason, I, I, it's, I, I do this thing where, like, I'll... Um, Instead of um, like, if I can't think of something, I'll just be like, yeah, if I could turn back to, I'll, I'll just say a lyric. And then I was like, yeah, I really like that song. And I forgot how much I like that song. And so I've just been listening to it nonstop. Um, it's just, I think I listened to like three times on the work to, on the way to work today. It's just something about, especially like that last verse. The, I don't know. It's just, yeah. The video's cringe. I know it's like iconic <laughs> and everything, but the let's be real, the video is kind of cringe. It is. Like, it's just it's it's just weird. How old was she? Like, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> um, hold on, let's find out real quick. So, this was 1989. Let's She was 43. Wow. What the? Don't ever let anyone tell you. <laughs> but then again, I mean, I guess she's always been comfortable in her own age. I mean, she was 70 when, um, well, not 70, but because I know she was the oldest pop singer to have a, a number one hit with Believe. Yeah, that She was 53, I think, because I know that okay. was 99. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, Crazy. so... Uh, this is If I Could Turn Back Time by Cher. And <laughs> we'll be right back. If I could turn back time If I could find a way I'd take back those words that'll hurt you 
That is If I Could Turn Back Time by Cher. Um, just look up the music video if y'all haven't seen it and why it's iconic uh, and cringe. <laughs> oh, hold on. Oh, wait, I can't hear you. No, yeah, I, okay. I, I didn't know I was going <laughs> Written by, of course, the incomparable Diane Warren. Diane Warren. We have an episode about Diane Warren as well. Yeah. <laughs> um. Again, she did not. She did not win an Oscar. Uh. This this past year. Um. Hopefully one day, because right now she's the, she's the Randy Newman, of the yeah. Academy Awards. Randy Newman finally got one. I feel bad because I th- I feel that. She's gonna fade into obscurity with this newer generation because she just hasn't adapted, you know. Yeah, everyone's you know obsessed with. Well, Ryan Tedder's probably the most um, visible, but Max Martin is starting to get a lot of visibility, like people actually knowing who he is, which is funny because he didn't ever want to be, you know, that person, but now he's like putting himself out there more. So good for him. Good for him. Well, probably that guy right now. It's probably Lin Manuel Miranda because mm. with the success of In the Heights and Hamilton, uh, he wrote some songs for it was either Coco or Encanto. And he put in he was a co writer on a couple of songs on the recent The Little Mermaid. They added a few new songs and he worked with Alan Menken on a, on new songs for the little mermaid. As of course, Howard Ashman had passed before the movie even came out. Um, 
So, yeah. So, it might be him. I didn't know he was in the Weird Al movie. Lin-Manuel Miranda? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen... That's another... Another, a movie we should we should do an episode on because I, I I keep forgetting oh, about yeah. it because it wasn't talked about very much. I saw a clip the other day on TikTok and it was I and I instantly knew it because it's him at a party doing another one rides the bus. <laughs> so like you just instantly hear the but 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 like you know the accordion, and in the clip like it's Jack Black is like some music I guess something or another and they're watching. You know, Daniel Radcliffe just, oh, it's Dan- yeah, it's Daniel Radcliffe just going in, playing another one. Rise the- it was really well done. It sold me on the movie. Because what's, what's funny is like, with the, um, I remember the behind the music episode in which his first TV appearance, he did that song. And it's just him playing the accordion. And then I don't know if it was his drummer or somebody else just banging on the accordion case. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the percussion <laughs> for this live TV performance. <laughs> um, but like with uh, shares, I could turn back time to find that on the BTT YHT Earworms playlist on Spotify right now. So what we are doing with this 200th episode is we're doing a Because Five Earworms in which I select earworm my favorite earworms that ben has brought to the show and ben selects earworms of mine that i brought to the show yep so um as we've done with other because fives uh (laughs) we pick two honorable mentions and then we pick top five why because five five (laughs) yeah so um, we have the two honorable, honorable mentions as an excuse to play more music, of course. Hold on. You, you listen to Cinephobe, right? Uh, I've heard of it. I've never really listened to the, to the okay, podcast. Okay, never mind. Never Because they, they, they do top fives as well. And um, I, they do. there's two pieces of music they play, but the one of them is Mambo Number no. 5. But they just keep <laughs> playing the one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four. <laughs> they just fly three times. <laughs> yeah, they have one out right now where it's top five, zero percent movies on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh yeah, they they purposely try to pick bad movies. Oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> I know they do that. Um, I listen to yeah. it mainly for I mean El Hassan El Hassan because I just I will listen to anything he is on. What's funny is that you hear about podcasts and like, there is no way he actually worked for an NBA team. It's hard to believe, right? (laughs) It's hard that he actually worked for an NBA team. Like, (laughs) Like he is, it's, it's, it's like he was made for entertainment. So I can't take it as, especially as an executive, (laughs) Not not like a scout like a videographer, he was an executive for the Suns. Like this guy, like during the seven seconds or less era. Yeah, like a so successful he had a Suns hand team. in putting those teams together. Uh, yeah, yeah. So and he's just like he's one of the funniest people, at least to me, in basketball media. Like yeah. hands down, he just he makes anything he's on funny. Um, 
and I, I think we've done it before on here before we were like certain someone's going to come through that door. He is the inventor <laughs> of the Rick Bettino game. Um, the, the guy is just brilliant. He's brilliant. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, ben, okay. uh, Ben always goes first. Always have Ben go first um, for these. So, all right. What's your first honorable mention? Uh, so my first honorable mention is, and this, this, these, yeah, well, never mind. Driving by everything but the girl. Um, I feel like this is a list that could, you know, things could be added, things could be taken away. I had to narrow it down from a lot of songs. Um, I guess would this be considered Sophistapop? Yes. Yeah. So I think there's a couple of Sophistapop songs on here. Um, I absolutely love this song. Um, there's this song and a song by um, Johnny Hates Jazz that both just make me think of like an, a rainy day in East Atlanta. <laughs> but I just I just love this song. It solidified the fact, to me at least, that they're more than just the song Missing. Yeah. Because that's all I knew from them is Missing before I heard this song. Um, and it's, it's just a really good song, you know? Um, yeah. This was, from what I read later about this, this was on the album that they were trying to be more pop. Okay. Um, so this was supposed to be more of a more of a ballad and like less complex than what they had been doing before. So, um, yeah. So this is what we get from that, from their album, The Language of Life. Um, yeah, this is on my on the Sophistapop playlist, the episode playlist as well. If y'all wanted to mm-hmm. find that. All right, my first earworm, and I. I don't even remember what episodes these were exactly. I was just going through the list, the Same. official Same. list, and like which ones did I like? Okay, I like this one. And okay, so I just went like that. So my first one is uh, "Daydream" by Big Story. Hey. Um, was I still this? Sometimes a, wonder what happened to this man. Drink maybe have a few. Because I think they, I want to think like they put this out originally before they got signed. Then they got signed and they worked with the producer, and that's when they kind of reworked it a little bit into the mix that I don't really care for. And it's not even that they really did anything crazy with the mix, it was more so that like they just added in like some little, some little extended part between the verses. Um, was this the song that and, you yeah. didn't like? This the version that 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 was Ended up that had been replaced. replaced? Yeah. Was this the one? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I I remember like it was the original version on the list, and then going back through the list, it was this version. Yeah. It's but, a great song, though, man. Like I I even seen some videos of them playing live. They sound great. I don't think they ever put out an album, though. I think they just put this single out and. Like that was it. Um, let's see what there is. Um, this is the part right here. Yeah, it's their album Beast, Beast with a with a Z. It came out okay. last year. Oh, really? I didn't realize it came. Finally. Yeah. Okay. 
I didn't realize they had something that came out. This is also the editing. <laughs> That's the thing I hate about like when someone when they put out a, a mix of a song or a cut of a song, you get you you listen to it, you get so accustomed to it, and then they're like, oh, here's a different cut. It's like, no, I'm not used to that. Like I'm used <laughs> to, you know. So, yeah, that was a certain thing that you so uh, that you expect to hear. Um, yeah. Like, I remember, like, I've been trying to find the version of, like, kind of the original version of the phrase cable car. It, it sounds different than, I saw the videos, like, this sounds different, and I have not mm-hmm. been able to find that uh, People will tell me I'm weird like original that. Original like, version if, of it anywhere. I was listening to Evanescence on the way home, and My Immortal came on, and I instantly knew, yeah, this is not the one with the band. Mm. And then I listened to one of the band. I was like, "Oh God!" They like did some weird stuff with the piano, and I, I, I need to. I'm gonna look into that to see who mixed the album version versus the band version because it's like they're very, very different. Mm. All right, so uh, that was my first honorable mention. What's your second one? Um, one with "Goodbye" by Echo Smith. Um. So I know they got big for what the cool kids. Cool kids. For those who were on kid. Vine, that song, the Cool Kids, was on. People use that that song on so many vines. Oh, for real? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that one. I kind of liked the Starlight one or whatever they did, but like, I think this was the first song by them that I truly liked. I had never heard it until you played it, and I was like, "This is fun." Um, uh, with this one, because it's it's four siblings, and the oldest one left the group. This is when after the oldest one left the group, because uh, I think he got married and wanted to start a family. So, <laughs> so he left the other. Oh, is that three. what the song's about? No. Oh, okay. No, that's I was not like, what oh, the song's makes- about. No. <laughs> I was like, that's but so it cool. Was, it was the, it was the, okay. the first single after he left the group. This was on their second album. Okay. But nothing really came of, of them after that. I mean, it was probably some kind of friction with they wanted the the girl to go solo. She may not want to leave her brothers behind. And then they just kind of stalled after that. She's done a couple of songs. She did a song with... Um, if you heard of For King and Country. I have, yeah. She did a song with them. And Okay. I think she did a song with Timbaland too, or it might have been a remix of something. Not bad. That's that could be cool. I'll have to check those out. Alright, so that was your second honorable mention. Let me move it because I, I have them all on the list. I'm just trying to I don't know. For some reason, put these in order. <laughs> there we go. All right. My second honorable mention is um, If You're Too Shy, Let Me Know by the 1975. <laughs> it's so funny because Taylor Swift just broke up with the lead singer. <laughs> well, apparently she's dating Austin Reeves now. Yeah. What's up with that? I don't know if that's um, true. It's funny because I've liked the 1975 for a while, 
but I never realized that Matt Healy was racist. How I so? never knew that. He'll just go off on racist rants and shows. Like there's there's TikTok memes where it's just like he'll start out by saying like you know something kind of racist, and the band realizes he's about, and they just play. They just start, <laughs> just start playing. playing a song. <laughs> so he can't talk. <laughs> It's like they've started doing that. He'll say something and they're like, oh God, start playing now. Start, start going. <laughs> and like, it's funny because like, you know, the meme exists, but it has literally happened in real life where he'll start talking and they're just like, man, fuck this. And they start playing so that he can't talk and he'll just be like, okay. And he'll start singing. So I do just shut up and sing. <laughs> shut up and sing. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that just shows, hey, y'all got to be ready with the next song. Yeah. <laughs> so we can't talk. Y'all can't be taking all this time between songs. Uh-uh. But I like that this song was, um, I think you had said it too, that it sounds like it came out in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's what I like about it. Saxophone solo and everything. <laughs> That's later, but y'all y'all can find this list on Spotify shortly. Um, all right, so your that was my second Arnold mention. So we're at number five. All right, number five, um, "Sunshine" by Flight Facilities featuring that's Reggie Watts, right? Reggie Watts, Reggie Watts, no relation. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> so, have you heard the version of this that he does live in Australia? No, I, is it? Does he actually sing the lyrics, or does he like make up new ones? No, he, <laughs> he, so he's yeah, more likely. Sounds- I feel like he's likely to do that. He'll just make up new lyrics. <laughs> you, you, it was, was it you just showed me his version of Panama? Yeah. <laughs> oh god, that was hilarious. Made no sense. Was so funny. No, he actually sings it. So it's flight facilities doing a concert with an orchestra. So it has this really long extended intro. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. And then he comes out and this, everyone, like, just loses it. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't realize that Reggie Watts had this kind of pull in Sydney. Like, they were, like, feeling him. Yeah, it's really good. If you get a chance, I'll check it out. But, yeah, I love this song. It's just got, like, it's kind of funky. You know, the, the, the vocals are good. They're understated. I did not realize Reggie Watts was this good of a singer. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love this song. His, um, I can't remember the name of his band, but before he went into comedy or whatever you want to call it, um, <laughs> uh, his his band stuff is on Spotify. So it's kind of like that roots rock sounding. Um, uh, kind of grungy because I think he was in Seattle at the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I see it's called Mac Mactub or something. Yeah, Mactub. Okay, yeah. I'll check that out. I didn't know that. Yeah, and if you have not seen his version of Panama, what show was he on? It was a. Uh, it was something through the AV Club. Okay. Where they they would bring in somebody to do. I think they like. Um, they would pick a cover song. They I think it, I don't know if they spun a wheel or they would just like pick out of a hat or something. And they had to figure out how to arrange the song. You do the, you can arrange the song however you like. And I think with Reggie Watts, he just like started talking about the history of Panama 
in the song. He just made up some new lyrics. That's <laughs> great. All right, so we'll get to my number five. Um, all right, I think you've had this this band on as an earworm a couple of times. This is "I Don't Mind" by the Wildlife. Ah, the Wildlife. This is the video where they're in a, a skating rink. I have not seen the video. Yeah, they're in a skating rink, and they're playing on skates. No ankles were broken. <laughs> I keep trying to catch them when they come to town. They've been to Atlanta a few times, but I just never catch them. I gotta, I gotta. Instead of stop going to shows, I gotta start going to shows. Start going, start going to them again. Yeah, we gotta post that somewhere. That's a funny video. I don't know if this generation would get it. We're. It's funny because are we a generation past emo? Kinda, yeah, kinda. And because it, Midwest emo, or is that what it's called? Yeah. Midwest emo is. Yeah, it's coming back. It's yeah. coming back. Yeah. I, I I said the name of an emo song today, and someone thought I was making a dad joke. And I was like, "That's a song." It was um. I forget the name of the band, but the name of the song was They Tried to Kill Chivalry, But We Brought It Back. And they're like, ah, oh, Ben with the dad jokes. I'm like, that's a song. <laughs> like, but they, like, when you say them, they sound ridiculous. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's, uh, we're at five, right? Was that my number yeah. five? Okay. That was your number five. All right. So Ben, number four. Um, this one is I Know Corita, Quincy Jones. Um, I think we determined that Lewis Johnson played bass on this. And is uh, the GOAT. Yeah. Lewis Johnson, uh, just like any time of day, any time of night was like Quincy Jones. This is a go-to bass player. <laughs> he played on this. He played on Thriller. Um, uh, and the baseline <laughs> on this is just is OG. The the what I was reading the other day about um um I've been doing the if anyone follows music sermon on Instagram she has this uh, since it's Black Music Month the Black Music Month challenge and she'll give like a prompt uh, for each day and there was one that was what is a a song that should have been a single but wasn't and for me it was Get on the Floor by Michael Jackson from Off the Wall. And just looking at the credits, Lewis Johnson is credited as a co-writer. As a, it had to be for the baseline alone. You have to give him co-writer credit. <laughs> you have to give him co-writer credit for I mean, putting that the baseline, baseline is, in. Yeah. <laughs> if it's, when they're that recognizable, yeah. Um, now, this was on Quincy Jones' album, The Dude. But have you heard the original version of I Know Karina? I don't know if I have. Uh, by an artist named Chaz Jenkel. Uh, he's from the UK. And uh, for anybody who follows, like, uh, I think his name's Ian Dury. He had a song called Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll. And it was this guy, I think he had like cerebral palsy or something to where he couldn't. Um, he had to walk with a with a cane and everything. 
Mm-hmm. But he had this like great sense of humor, and he had a good singing voice and everything. And Chaz played with him, played in his band before okay. he went solo. Um, the The original version of this song is almost the same, except for well, the bass line, of course, isn't as pronounced, uh, and it's more um, it's more towards the rock side rather than okay a disco. This is more a disco version. Yeah, but I think you'd like it, and it's about eight minutes long. So, <laughs> and I think instead of a um, like this version has a sax solo. In the mm-hmm. breakdown, I think on his it was it was a guitar solo. I think you'd like it though. You know it's crazy. Like you think about this album, and like all Quincy Jones really did is like get the music together and produces it. Yeah. Does he do any singing on it or anything like that? He he doesn't sing, he, right? He doesn't sing, but he'll do a couple of vocals, a couple of spoken mm-hmm. parts. Um, as a musician, he I know he played the trumpet. I, know he plays a trumpet. I think I, I might know what do else an album like that where like I don't do any I don't sing on it. Just it's produce just songs it and I wrote and produce. Yeah. I might do that. Yeah, you don't even necessarily have to write anything either. <laughs> no. <Mm-mm. laughs> Let's look at Quincy Jones album uh Back on the Block. <laughs> he yeah, the did, biggest like, song that was written by Prince, right? Tomorrow? No, that was uh Tomorrow was written by Tomorrow was uh, the Brothers Johnson. Round and round. Round yeah, that and round. round, round that's, yeah, that's Prince. Tomorrow yeah, that's Prince. was, it was an instrumental called. Um, the Brothers Johnson wrote that? Yeah, I think it, they had have an instrumental called Tomorrow. And so they took the instrumental and put lyrics on it. And then brought really? it to Campbell. I, wow, I would not have guessed that. That's incredible. Lewis Johnson, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me move that up. Wow. All right. So uh, my number four, and when you brought this on, it was the first time I had, I had heard the song, and it is Supplies by Justin Timberlake. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Who produced this one? Is it uh, uh Pharrell? This was Pharrell. For, okay. I just it just doesn't sound like this beat was made for him. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Uh. <laughs> the lyrics are like basically like I got what you need if if the apocalypse comes or if the zombie apocalypse comes. <laughs> That's what the song is. About. That's what the lyrics suggest. Um, and this was on Man of the Woods, which I guess no one claims to like it. Very few people. Do. I don't get it. It wasn't that bad. I don't I don't get it, man. I mean, he brought back he brought back uh, Pharrell, who worked on Justified. It was all Timberland on 2020. Um and yeah, I, I guess the only thing you can say is like they spent a lot of money for having Pharrell produce this produce yeah. song. Another thing we have suggested on this podcast, guys, is that I think Pharrell and Timbaland have priced themselves out. Like it's too so it's expensive. Funny. It's too expensive to get them. 
because they brag about that when people are like, why do you think, you know, producers are, are why is the music industry this way right now? It's like the producers are, you know, they're cheapening their stuff. They're not, you know, they don't know they're worth yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, I don't know, man, you might just be too expensive. Like for the amount of music that, or amount of money that music makes now, I need return on investment, bro. Like, yes, songs you only get so big now. You are yeah. worth a million dollars for this song. That don't mean I got it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I might not even make a million dollars on this because it's not guaranteed anymore. No. Like, can you make songs that will blow up on TikTok? Right. Brian Tedder made a good dip, a, a very interesting point about that. He was like, it's much harder to break now than it used to be because you got to break on TikTok. He's like, yeah, you still want to get on radio too, but it's like, like you got to break on TikTok. He also made the point too that um, TikTok is ageless. He's like, because you could, he's like, you could be Fleetwood Mac. Boom, yeah. you got a hit just because someone rediscovered uh, dream, your song. Dreams moved up into the top ten because he was of like, it's the guy ageless. drinking he's, cranberry juice. He's <laughs> like at thirty, they used to basically TikTok, TikTok, but he's like, but now. You know, it doesn't matter as long if if it bumps on TikTok, you're gonna be a it's gonna be a hit. I thought that was very interesting. Supplies was such a dope beat. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. They classified so... as R and B trap on here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. all right. So let's get to your number three. Okay. Yes. Yeah, number three. Yeah. So this is someone I had, I had never heard of. I thought I knew who they were, but I had not heard of them. Um, I remember this one specifically because I think we're getting in the territory. Where I remember songs when I heard them. Matt was on this episode because I remember we both were like, "Damn, that's a good song." But this is "Steam" by Leon Bridges. Um, great song. I always thought Leon Bridges was a guitar player, but I guess he's just a singer. But there's like a really cool. He plays guitar sometimes. Okay. But, yeah. There's like a, just a really interesting. I don't know what that what instrument that was after the first chorus, but like this song is yeah. This is a really good song. I'm pretty sure this made my top of one of whatever year I first heard this. I love this song. It's really good. Um, this was from his album Gold Digger Sound, which I thought was going to be nominated for album of the year. That's how good I thought it was. Wow. Um, and uh, it was co-written by, I know I told you about the group We Are King. Yeah. Uh, she sings, one of them sings background vocals on this song and she co-wrote it as well. I think she also co-wrote Motorbike if you heard that song. Okay. Um, and this was his first single off the album. Okay, here, I think this is the guitar part you were talking about. Yeah, I didn't know what it was, but it's so good. That was unlike any guitar solo I'd ever heard before. <laughs> like, it instantly hooked me. It's, that's creative. Um, so, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, I thought this would, that, that album would get more attention than it did. Um, so, um, God, who was, the, who was the artist that just won album of the year last, this past year? Uh, um, Harry Styles. Oh, God. Sorry. The year before that, then. Um, 
He was the musical director. Oh, John Batiste. Yeah, I had never heard John Batiste, but I thought that his album was more akin to this. Mm. And then I heard it and I was like, it's party music. Yeah. And, and I just. Yeah, he's from New yeah. Orleans. It, that's what he's going to make. And I hate <laughs> to be an elitist, but like, I can't. I'm still not to the point where I could consider party music, whatever the genre, album of the year material. I guess to mm. me, I just expect like album of the year material to be reflective, to be deep, to be personal. So, yeah. So there I could. Have, there yeah, might have been a campaign for, for him because. You know, with the album and then he coming off of the uh, he won an Oscar for um, the original score for Soul, mm, the, okay. the animated movie uh, with Trent Reznor and who's the other guy? Oh, yeah, Atticus I forgot. they were on the Atticus Ross. And it's like at the last second, he had to be added as a nominee for the score, like because he, he had done like the original compositions for the film. And okay. they had done the original score, but he was, you know, doing the, the compositions that were included. And they had to add okay. him at the last second. I'm sure Trent Reznor probably put, I, I just feel like Trent Reznor didn't want him on there. Didn't want him as a nominee. <laughs> For some I, would, I don't know why. So he's one person I would like to meet because um, Richard Patrick has definitely ruined his <laughs> my image of him. To where I just did like, oh, God, he's a dick. Like, he's just not a good dude. Go deliver pizzas. Screw you. Like, <laughs> so I would like to meet him just to. Because Should we update it to, to make, to say that Trent Reznor is a demon instead of Billy Joel? They can both be. <laughs> they can both, both be. Both things can be true. <laughs> I mean, I think the only thing that Billy Joel does that's cool is he goes against people out of the cheap seats. Because um, he wants real fans on the front row. But like. I, I would like to hear more about him because he didn't pitch a fit about um, a Nine Inch Nails song being used for Old Town Road. He didn't make a he didn't pitch a fit, mm. and he could have. So he's got to at least be a decent guy. I would like to think, or he could be a complete dick. I don't know. I'm gonna go with the latter. <laughs> apparently, he's apparently he was really big into hip hop. I never really, I never really saw the correlation until I saw it examined like when you look at um downward spiral and like a lot of the industrial elements but a lot of it also was very hip-hop influenced i did not realize that mm. um yeah it's something you really have to hear kind of done side by side but it, when you hear it, i'm like yeah damn that makes a lot of sense so yeah i i have thought about doing um another future episode possibly is about that another that kind that subgenre uh industrial, like industrial. Yeah. Um, so it'd be nine inch nails and filter are probably the ones that are more out in front. Probably could include, um, um, Rob Zombie as well. Oh yeah. A lot and, of hip hop. He, he straight yeah. up raps in some songs like in more human <laughs> than human. He is rapping. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, uh, what was another, um, orgy. That's another band. Power Man 5000, I think is one. Oh, man, I forgot about them, yeah. Uh, Static X. So, yeah, mm -hmm. there were, that was, there was a time for that as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Um, well, we talked about an album of the year in John Batista, and this song was from another album of the year, the most, one of the most unexpected in recent memory. And uh, this is High Horse by Casey Musgraves. Hey! From the Golden Hour. 
just a great album overall. And it won album of the year, and it was probably like the least known in the whole category. <laughs> yeah, that was very Stojo Simpson of her. Um, it just, yeah, and it, I guess in their both country too. Yeah. And they both kind of, you know, some of the other songs are a little bit more traditionally country, but this one isn't even really like pop country. This is more like disco country almost. Yeah, I, I, I imagine there's a line dance to this song. Oh God, yes! I'm I'm fairly certain I've seen line dances on TikTok. I follow some chick who does line dancing, and she'll just—I guess she just sets her phone up, and just you see that she's at a honky tonk, just doing line dances. And I have to think. I'm like, I bet this is what people in the '80s would have done, or in the '70s. Like, this is what John Travolta's character would have done. (laughs) Wait, and Saturday Night Fever. Well, and 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 Urban Cowboy. Yes, just I don't. I haven't seen Urban Cowboy, but since John Travolta dances in every movie, <laughs> it's like in his contract. He there had to be a line dance in Urban Cowboy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is from the Golden Hour, which won Album of the Year. Um, like I said, it was probably the least known in the whole category that year. Yeah, what did it beat out? Hold on. Um... I'm very curious. 2019 Grammys. Let's see. I bet you there were probably some some sore losers. Oh, Kendrick Lamar had eight nominations that year. Wow. Uh, album of the year. So it beat out Invasion of Privacy by Cardi B. Oh, that wasn't going to win. Yeah. By the way, I forgive you by Brandy Carlisle. No, not that either. I don't know how this got nominated. Scorpion by Drake. I think that is aged poorly. Yeah. Her by her. Um, Beer Bongs and Bentleys <sighs> by Post Malone. That's that's an uh, odd. See the Black Panther soundtrack. Yeah. Dirty Computer by Janelle Monae. Her yeah. by her. Yeah. I will say, if anything, I think the one that could give it competition would have been Black, the Black Panther soundtrack. Um, yeah. I think that's I, who I might have picked that year. I thought that was going to win. I want to say, by the way, I forgive you by Brandi Carlisle. I've never heard the song or Brandi Carlisle, but I see her mentioned in so many circles with a high level of respect that I just imagine she just has to be good at what she does. <laughs> Like, I just, every circle she's in. Yeah. This is also the year that Song of the Year went to This Is America. That was, yeah. That was song and record. Yeah. Can't believe Boot Up was nominated for Song of the Year. Wow. Um, wow. All the stars. Yeah. God's plan. Oh, God. That was an interesting year. Shallow? But Shallow won oh, uh, Best Original Song at the Oscars. And guess who won Best New Artist and she's still kicking. We're waiting for the follow-up. Dua Lipa, baby. What's up? Well, I, well yeah, she was able to uh, eat for four years off of, <laughs> of uh, Future Nostalgia. Future nostalgia. Just, <laughs> I'm waiting for that follow-up. I am waiting on bated breath for that follow-up. Um. So yeah, uh, that was my number three. 
Okay. Right. So we're at number two. Another's a fist to pop. Cars and girls. Um, I think awesome. this was. I, I I could say I introduced you to Prefab Sprout. <laughs> oh heck yes! This song is awesome. Um, I know she's been on here once before, but my wife Kendra, I'm sure I've heard her say these lyrics make no sense. <laughs> she's it's like, about, what about is cars is life. Cars is life. He's using a, a car metaphor for life. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like, what is this? Like, what? But I love this song. Um, have you seen any, like, recent, within the last 15 years, performances of them doing this song? Like, this thing has a huge beard. Uh, no, I've only seen the original music video. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I know now, like, he's, yeah, he's got a huge beard. He's even skinnier than he was before. <laughs> um... <laughs> And I think there's, uh, I don't know if you've heard it, they made, he made an acoustic album of his songs, and there's an acoustic version of Cars and Girls. Okay. Um, but yeah, I normally just, I, I'm trying to make the, my way through, like, their later albums, like, he, uh, the stuff they made in the 90s is more... Um, he's one of those lyricists where you really gotta, like pay attention you really gotta like think about okay what is he saying here he's one of those yeah. guys um, yeah they're very he, he's yeah, definitely very quirky he's one of the more obscure songwriters that yeah. uh that like not necessarily your favorite songwriter songwriter but you might hear your favorite songwriter songwriter mention him at some point mm-hmm. that kind of thing yeah like he almost kind of comes off to me like a Bruce Cockburn type guy. Like it's just like quirky lyrics, but like they're just they're good though. So yeah, I, I love this song though. Yeah, like him and um, that's Patty McAloon. Uh Green Guard side, that's uh Scritty Politti. Um They probably get I think they get compared to Elvis Costello a lot as far as their songwriting. For those who prefab sprout yeah i could hear that i could hear that i'd be I, so this makes me want to listen to more because i think i've got one other prefab sprout song in my playlist because elvis costello is that that type of artist where like he can he can have songs like on one in the spectrum that are like kind of odd like pump it up and then he'll give you a song like allison yeah. Which is just like or one of the most day I write beautiful. The book, which is yeah, like the basically most a reggae song <laughs> that I've ever heard. Like Allison is like could almost bring you to tears. It's so beautifully like he's just all over the place, man. Yeah, Elvis Costello is so unique and probably at this point underrated, just because you know he's not as prevalent now. You yeah, know? I don't know. Like, I go back and listen to him, like, Jesus Christ, like, this guy was, he's really good. He's like a better Marshall Crenshaw. (laughs) (laughs) No offense to Marshall Crenshaw, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so that was your number two. Okay. So my number two, uh, this is probably one of the the funniest songs, funniest earworms uh, on either side. And that is Jesus is the one, parenthesis. (laughs) I got depression. 
by Zach Fox and Kenny B. <laughs> ever since, like on TikTok, even now, every few videos, someone put someone uses a clip of this song. Oh God. <laughs> Yeah, praise Jesus. Have you seen the one where it's the girl who comes out of the like getting baptized and she comes out, she kind of rubs herself down? And so I put her back in. Oh God! Did I did I tell you how I found this song though? No, I, I don't remember. It was on Black people Twitter, and it was a it was a post where this guy was like, "I told my grandma to listen to Jesus is the one," <laughs> and she got mad and cursed me out. <laughs> But this was I, it came up because it was he was on a Zach Fox was a special guest on a show in which Kenny Beats would make a beat and they freestyle over it, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh god. He had he had some stuff before the beginning of the song, which is where he's just freestyling that they didn't put in. Cause I got depression. Yeah. Everybody knows. Oh and then uh, after, like when this song came out, there's the clip of a guy. It looked like it was this like early '90s cable access show, in which this dude is rapping, and they got this girl. This he had one background dancer, and she was dancing hard while he's just like. <laughs> doing, but instead of like the song that was actually they were actually doing, it was this song over it. <laughs> It's like okay, if, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. Um, I think there, I think there was because uh, oh I saw the I saw the actual uh, video with the with the real song, and then they interviewed him after. But I know it was like one of those public access shows, <laughs> um, and I think they're I think they're from Oakland. It was somewhere in the Bay Area. <laughs> I gotta look this somewhere up now. Northern California, somewhere. Uh, but <laughs> but I didn't know. <laughs> I thought for a second you would think like it's this like this was the actual song that he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's yeah, it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that when you we brought it to the to the pod, that was the first time I had heard the whole thing and. <laughs> Oh man. Um I do see anybody should see videos of Zach Fox and like I think it was Zach Fox and was it Tyler the Creator? Or somebody. They were just like hanging out in the in like their kitchen or something, just playing random songs. They'll play rap songs, they'll play some gospel songs, they'll play some rap they were doing this on Instagram live. <laughs> Like it was him hours. and Supercat, not Supercat, Thundercat. Thundercat. It was Thundercat. Playing, it was Thundercat. Um, Donnie McClurkin. Yeah. It's our friend. We <laughs> yeah. fall down, but we get up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I remember that. That was great. <laughs> um, um. So yeah. Um. Okay. So that brings us to your number one, Ben. All right. Um. So yeah, so this was this will probably always be the clear cut number one. 
lost on the way home. Uh, Chromio and Solange Knowles. Um, I consider this one of the best songs I've probably ever heard. Um, it's definitely, and who knows, maybe my mind will change in 10 years, but since I heard it, um, I'd probably put this like in my top 50 best songs ever. I love this song. I think it's amazing. It's by far the best song that Chromio's ever done. Um, adding Solange Knowles on there, just it's just really, really well done. I, there's nothing I don't like about this song. Yeah. Um, I think Chromio as a as a group is is underrated. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I know their motif is you know like a funk '80s synth driven uh, kind of sound, but. Um, they're really good at it. <laughs> they, yeah, um, they make it, and they, you know, and their lyrics. A lot of lyrics are funny. Um, they had a they had a whole EP during the pandemic, during the, you know when everything shut down. They made a a whole EP about songs about um, about coronavirus. <laughs> oh wow, I didn't know about that. like they had a song called "Roni Got Me Stressed Out." It was about <laughs> coronavirus or. Um, if I could come back to life, I'd like to come back as a Clorox wipe or something like that. <laughs> but these are like these they sound really good. <laughs> I have to check that out then. Um I, I can't believe this wasn't released as a single. Especially no. with an artist like her featured. I'm surprised they didn't. Well this was before um a seat at a ta- at a seat at the table. This was before that. Okay, that's probably and how they got it. It was then. probably right before like the EP she had um, that had "Losing You" in it. Like this was this solidified for me that I prefer Solange over Beyonce's music. Yep, absolutely. Another unpopular <laughs> opinion. Um, I don't know a lot of people. I, I think some people secretly agree with me on that. They don't want to yeah. go against the Beehive, but I, I prefer Solange's music over Beyonce's. I, like, I, I can't imagine over Beyonce. I can't imagine Beyonce guesting on a song this good. I just yeah. can't. You know? Not if she can't bring her songwriters with her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just this this song's just so yeah, just such a and I wish they did more stuff like this. A lot of their stuff is typically more upbeat. Like I think about Bonafide Loving, I think about Jealous, I think about um Oh, um, I know the fancy footwork is another one of theirs. Yeah, uh, they had a song, um, "A Word with You." It's one of their newest songs. It was included in I can't remember what commercial was for, but it was included in commercial recently. But I like I like the song um, "Word with You." As night well. by night, that's the thing I'm looking thinking okay. of. Yeah, but yeah, typically, yeah, they're you know their stuff's very dancing, upbeat. But like this one's slowed down, more chilled out. And I just think just really good and just to me just very a very retrospective type song. So yeah, this has probably been on my top list um, for the past couple of years. Yeah. All right. So for those keeping up, that's Ben's number one of earworms I brought. So that's what we've been doing. He's, his, the songs he selected are earworms I brought and mine are the ones that he's brought to the pod. So my number one, and I am very sad 
that this group broke up. So we won't hear any more from them. And that is Midnight to Monaco, one-way ticket. They broke up? They broke up. They broke up like two years ago. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) This song is so smooth, man. Just... Oh, that makes me sad. I, so we'll never get to see them in concert. Yeah, I think all but one song has been an earworm uh, on our show. I know one, one. This is yours. One in a million and rainfall were mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think they had two other songs. So I think they had like maybe like five songs total. They never released an album. Um, for anyone who's seen the video for One in a Million, very dark. Uh, the premise is very dark. Um, the video for One Way Ticket looks like a nineteen, a late '60s magazine shoot in California. <laughs> it almost has like. Catch me if you can vibes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I I haven't listened to this song in a minute. And I and the harmonies are so beautiful. They're so rich. The because I mean yeah, mm. the harmonies are great. Uh, I like I like the lyrics. Um, and I feel like because I oh, going through the going through the earworms playlist, there was a song that was by. Um, like an acapella group doing a cover of something. I can't remember the song uh-huh. now. But I was like, this would have been one of those songs perfect for one of those acapella competitions. College acapella yeah, groups. Yeah, <laughs> other than the bass, it's all acapella. Yeah. And it's, everything is so rich. Like, you can't tell, it's just, yeah. It's just bass and voice. Yeah. Um, and it was well, just two yeah. guys, right? Yeah. Two guys. Yeah. I wonder if we can start the um, getting them back together fan club. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this was just a single. Like I said, I think they have like five songs, and they broke up. Um, let me see if I because I, I looked them up. I was I think I was looking for them on Instagram to see like do they have any new music out or are they taking a break or they've only got fourteen hundred followers. They call it oh new wop. I I guess I've never seen oh, their page new before. But I know they made a post about how they broke up. Uh, it may have Maybe. been like even more than two years ago that they broke up. Well, one of them put out a post about how they broke up. Mm. I was like, I'm sorry we didn't get to, um, we didn't get to put out the album that we wanted to or something like that. But yeah. Mm. Um, That's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, they were they're really good. That's one of those groups. And it's funny because with you know, with Spotify and Spotify recommendations and things like that. Although I think this video, I saw their video at a Planet Fitness. But like nowadays with the way music is, 
you can learn about a group and like whereas in the past it would have been a group if you're hearing about them in a public space they've probably got a lot of followers they got a lot of people a lot of fans but like you can totally find out about a group and like less than 5000 people are following them on Instagram or on TikTok or on Facebook and they're like you know very low key kind of niche and i just find that so interesting about music nowadays like one of my favorite bands right now fickle friends like maybe a couple thousand followers on on instagram or on tiktok or whatever uh, it's just as wild to me you know like i just thought they were bigger but because we can make our own playlists and kind of wrap ourselves in when we listen to they're bigger to us than they are to anyone else yeah and I, and I kind of like that about music nowadays, but it also means it just makes it harder for a lot of these people to make a living. Yeah. I mean, you really trade have to support them by, you know, when they play shows near you going to see them, like buying I, merchandise, all that stuff. Yeah. Like I've seen, um, uh, Toro Imois twice. I've seen Fantagram twice. I didn't get to mm-hmm. see him when they were, um, here recently, um, you know, I, I, I know I would only, I'm only going to see bands that, you know, that I like. So I would see Toro Miwa, I would see, uh, Fanagram, Little Dragon. Um, I want to go see them. Next time you go see them, let me know. I like, I like yeah, them. They, I, their singer's they, amazing. Um, I need to check. Cause I just saw they were, they were putting out another, I think they're coming out with a new song. I think they're coming out with a new song next week, or they, it might have been like might be on Friday. If not, then it's okay. next week. So they 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 they're coming out with a lot of new stuff. They actually um <laughs> um I can't remember what story I put some I put a um uh Eleonora the lead singer, she's named after Billie Holiday had to be, but <laughs> um there's a story she's saying something. I think she sang twice the song twice uh, did like an acapella, like standing on a dock or something. And then I posted mm-hmm. it on my story and then she liked it. She liked the story. Oh, that's dope. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, she, yeah, she's got a phenomenal voice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm almost ashamed to say I discovered them on gossip girl, but gossip girl always had very interesting sound choices yeah some of it was ahead of its time some of it was cringe but i mean it i don't know it just it was what it was you know yeah um yeah so um before we get to my earworm of the week i wanted to ask you this in going through the earworms playlist I wanted to ask, and, and I would answer the same question. What have you discovered about my musical taste? <laughs> well, so I kind of knew what it was. So I will say this. Um, there's some things I forget that you like just because I have a horrible memory. But like, I was like, oh, yeah, these are I know that, you know, a lot of times you you um, you kind of lean towards trip hop, um, electronic music, but not EDM, if that makes sense, like kind of atmospheric. Um, 
because a lot of these songs, if if I'm just being real, I didn't even have to go through the list because these are songs I listen to on the regular. <laughs> so like making the list was easy because you know a lot of times like we'll be doing an episode I'm like oh I like that and I'll, I'll just add it immediately. So like driving goodbye, all these songs are like in regular, pretty regular rotation. Whereas Lost Way Home is probably the, in the, the most. But um, I mean like. The reason I wanted to do this show is because you're the only person I know that can kind of go round for round with me from a musical standpoint. So what I learned about your musical taste is, is it's just as diverse as I always thought it was. But I do think you do lean more towards like trip hop, indie pop um, type music with heavy and like heavy electronic influences. Okay. Um... Yeah. I would say for you that uh, you look for songs that are, it could be anything if it's well-produced. Like as far as like if expecting a genre, if it's well-produced, then, um, okay, that wasn't anything. Uh, if it's well-produced, then it might stick out to you. Um, mm-hmm. And it could be, that. it could be any genre. Um I do think you do, and this isn't. This is this is uh, definitely not an insult or anything, but do a little bit of crate digging with the pop rock groups. I think you're always looking <laughs> for, you know, just a good pop rock song, oh, like yeah. whether oh, they yeah. are famous or not, because it's it's uh, a style of music that you don't hear a lot anymore, as far as like. Mm-hmm. Um, on the radio or on the charts or anything like that, you don't hear a lot of it anymore. <laughs> so it's like you, yeah. you're always looking, listening for that next, um, you know, that 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 next great pop rock song. I don't know if it's going to be popular, but you, yeah, I might. I like, like it. Like it. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then if it's something that kind of reminds you of a, of a certain time um, and it's definitely something that, you know, I mean, this, the kind of the definition of an earworm, something that kind of like uh, you, you keep hearing the song or you want to listen to it over and over again. So some of mm-hmm. the, some of your previous eras will come from you playing a video game <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> or, you know, you heard it on a TV show and that, you know, that's where we, we both get, you know, a lot of our stuff from. So, um, mm-hmm. but I know you look for it for good production and if it's, you lean more towards pop rock and it'd be something like it's a band I've never heard of. And it's a new song, but we'll probably <laughs> never hear it on the radio because they don't play that anymore. <laughs> it's just unfortunate, but that's how it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and now, because and since you say that too, just to add, I think you like soundscapes as well. Like you like, big sounding sounds and i don't know how else to describe it um but i think that's when it comes to like electronic music rather than like you don't look for beat you don't look for danceability i think you look for soundscape like something that gives you a big varied sound like the sg lewis songs on there um trying to think of some more and have that pull the list back up but like yeah you like you like soundscapes yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking for like something with a uh, that creates a uh, an environment 
kind mm-hmm. of thing, a vibe, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> but then it's almost too like you like when looking at like from a genre specific standpoint, you like your jazz contemporary, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like you I, wanted to have contemporary. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you talk about that all the time. Um, but it has like contemporary senses. Like I think of Bali run, which just missed this list. Uh, um, a very contemporary sounding song. <laughs> I want to give a shout out. Cause I think he, I hope he listens to the, to the podcast now. So I told him about it. Um, Rick Henderson, uh, he hosts the Osta show at the radio station. He used to work at, uh, called the natural fusion bridge. And he introduced me to that song because I told him I was a, a huge Bob James fan. Okay. And Bob James is in the super group foreplay. And it's a good yeah, song. Bali Run is one of those contemporary jazz standards, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, from a, a, a contemporary or jazz fusion super group. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's definitely like. Uh, that was definitely going to be an earworm because I think I played it on the drive home. I played it. They played it like eight times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that one just missed the cut. That's that's probably like at nine or ten. Just missed the cut. It's a good song. Um, and uh, I guess I also that you also went back to. Like I said, it, a lot of some of the, the bands are more obscure because of, I guess, the format of radio or how people listen to music now. But even mm-hmm. like they're like older songs that I had never heard of this band. So that's why I say <laughs> you do some crate digging when it comes to pop rock. People really. It's only funny because I never to... thought about that term using it. But yeah, I guess that is. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you. You uh, I, I don't I don't even know where you even hear these songs. You know, because we're in the we we grew up in the uh, the Napster, Kazaa, LimeWire, Aries era. Mm-hmm. Aries. Even with, even with that, I still don't know where you heard these songs. Aries. Oh, snap. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, w- I always I always said like Aries because that was the only one that worked on my computer. Aries, Aries. was the only program that worked. Kazaa would slow everything down. LimeWire it, I got nothing. And uh, what was the other one? Share Bear? I never no. used Share Bear. I used e- I, I, email I didn't even try email. Napster. I didn't even, well, I tried, I tried Napster when I was in high school. On the high school computer, I put Napster Ooh. on there. <laughs> I got a virus off of Napster, I remember. Uh, but I never tried it on my, on my own computer. Aries was the only one that worked. Aries was a good one. <laughs> Aries and it didn't take up your whole screen. No, it did not. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um hopefully statute of limitations has passed on that. It's been like 20 years. <laughs> I don't have no clue what you're talking about. I didn't do anything. What? Hmm? Aries you know what? is a is the god of war. I'm just gonna edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> it's the zodiac sign that comes after Pisces, right? Bro, um, you know the, the RAA <laughs> is that's like taking names. You're coming. <laughs> oh man. Um so uh that'll do it for our playlist here on the um our Because Five Earworms. Hopefully you guys uh discovered some songs if you haven't listened to every episode. Um 
and just check out the list, the, the list of every single earworm that is a playlist on Spotify, BTTYHT earworms. And then there'll be a separate playlist for this special edition episode. Um, so we'll get to my earworm of the week. Like I said, I don't have my glasses on, so I'm trying to find the, um, the song here. Um, okay, there it is. Okay, so uh, this group is known for a song called um, Feel It Still, uh, Portugal, The Man. Um, oh, snap. Uh, which has a billion plays on Spotify. Feel It Still has over a billion I can believe um, that. But I like this song um, called Dummy. I think it came out last year or earlier this year. It came out earlier this year. Um, so, yeah, I like this one. It's on my alternative melodies playlist. And uh, I'm going to play it right now. This is Dummy by Portugal The Man. We'll be right back. <laughs> Dummy by Portugal Man. I don't think I knew that was them. I've heard this song. Do you know where you heard it? I want to think Alt Nation. Hmm. On um, Alt Nation on um, uh, not Spotify on XM Radio. It's one okay. of Kendra's favorite stations. Um, I think it came out about in my Discover Weekly. On Spotify, yeah, because all you know, alt nation, alt, alt music, alt rock now is like it's this. It's like a lot of kind of upbeat, kind of you know, electronic influence, like Panama, is it Panama Wedding, and and um, Portugal the Man, which is two bands name for the countries. It's kind of weird, but <laughs> yeah, just not think about it. But yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun stuff. That's I don't know. Do you have X? No, you probably don't have XM Radio. No. If you ever get a chance to listen, you'd you'd probably really like Alt Nation. 
because it's not like you know lithium is the stuff that's like hey let go of the 90s type stuff <laughs> yeah but like alt nation is all the new alt music like they that's where i first heard the um not the weekend um the neighborhood mm. yeah they used to get played on there quite a bit all right um well the uh... Of course, with all of our other earworms, you'll find that on our BTTYC Earworms of the Week playlist on Spotify as every single one except for Joni Mitchell. I think she's back, though, right? No. It has the songs that she was featured on, like um, mm, mm, the mm. song with Janet Jackson. Yeah. Uh, Got It Till It's Gone. She That song is still on Spotify. She's featured on it. Man. But all her other stuff, her her stuff is gone. Go to YouTube. You can hear it there. Cup of You. Beautiful song. Beautiful song. Um, well, uh, that will do it for this episode. Um, number 200 in the number books. Number 200 is in the books. I'm trying to put yeah. this out as soon as I can. Um, right. <laughs> so y'all can, uh, y'all can hear it and um, hear the whole thing. <laughs> if you were on the uh the live stream. So mm-hmm. um well Ben, what should we end the show with? I don't know, because I was just looking at the earworms again. Um uh, know what I would vote for? Um this cause this is another one I really like. Um Mike Jack. Mike Jack. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't listened to that song in a long time, but this Mike Jack by uh, Big Boy. Shout and... out to um, Matt G, who I know is a big Outkast fan, and I want to think he got this album on vinyl when it came out. On vinyl, I think I could be wrong because no, I think it was around the time he got a Three Eleven album on vinyl as well. Either he got it on vinyl or he was just like really into it when it came out. In any case, shout out to Matt, of course, you know, out out there where he is. But yeah, I know he's a he's a big boy fan as well. So okay, um, uh, when I went to see Fantagram, I've seen them twice at the Tabernacle, and um, both times Big Boy made a cameo appearance because they. Um, he worked with Fantagram on his uh, solo albums. At least the one um, has such a long title. I think it's like Sir Lucius Left Foot, The Tale of Chico Dusty, or mm-hmm. something like that. It's such a long title. Yeah, that but... that's close. It's very close. <laughs> they uh, they worked with him on that album, a, a couple of songs. So yeah, okay. And then they the the Big Grams uh, EP that they made. So yeah. yeah. Um, so this is Mike Jack. This is by Big Boy featuring Adam Levine, Scar, and Sleepy Brown. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. 200 episodes in the books. Uh, here's to 200 more. Cheers. Cheers. Peace. Peace. Niggas still ain't fucking with Hollywood Cope. Stay fucking with your boy like the Hollywood dope. Everything big, no coming up show. Jack the buzzer beat us up, all net half coat. The gang winning shot, your name standing out. That same skinny thought you got, she be in and out. She never spit it out either. We call her Kobe Mouth, Big Mouth Bass. Thighs match that ass. I 
Build a bell before I build a bitch. I take her to the mall and fill her with the sugar dick tick. With the same lips she give a nigga sugar with. Give me brains so intelligent with penitence. I took her innocence. Yeah, she was turned out. And by the time I gave her back, she was burnt out. Like the ties on the Uracon. You ain't good as twine. Or better yet, say great, we stay putting on. You're hotter than July. 